You're listening to For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. Alright, welcome back to another edition of For the Republic, a love letter to Star Wars animation. It has been a bit since we've dove back into our rewatch of The Clone Wars, but we are back to discuss the Newt Gunray episodes of Clone Wars. We're talking Bombad Jedi, Cloak of Darkness, and Lair of Grievous. I am one of your hosts today, Andrew, and we got the full crew here with us. Don, Connor, and Jake are all here Feels like it's been forever. How are all of you today? I'm good, man. Uh, I'm very tired. Yeah, no, I'm exhausted. But we gotta. We're gonna Life get is through very lifey. Yep, we're all still reeling from. We're gonna Kenobi, get through like, it thanks to. No, serious. <laughs> like, uh, last week we put out our. Now nah, very... we're gonna get through it thanks to Jedi Jar Jar. Exactly. Exactly. Couldn't have worded it better myself. Uh, if you missed it last week, we did put out our super duper late uh, series recap of Obi Wan Kenobi. That was just Connor and I doing it because our schedules have been horrific the past few weeks. That's a big reason why we have been kind of dormant in episodes throughout the month of July. But we're we're trying to get back there. Uh, this is going to be the uh, the kickstart to get us back into this thing. A couple things right off the bat that I personally want to talk about before we get into these episodes because I have a lot to say about these episodes in a good way because the last time we uh, watched some Clone Wars stuff, it was uh, it was those droid episodes, and uh, I don't think we're going to bring those up again uh, ever. Fuck no, Goldie. we don't have to do that. No. I, I, actually, I, have, I, have, I actually have Fuck something in my notes comparing something in one of the episodes to, uh, to Goldie, but... I'll get to that later, and then that'll be the last time I bring that. Oh, I think up. I know what you mean. Yeah, I think, um, I think I know. But personally, I finished uh, Brotherhood two nights ago, I believe, at this point, and I said on Twitter, but it is one of my top three Star Wars canon novels now. It is utterly fantastic. Nice. Uh, it is a perfect Obi Wan and Anakin story, and I hope to do a full fledged discussion about that book at some point in the future because there's just so much i want to talk about i just i love i love that book so much i also oh it's so good it's so good but i don't i don't want to because yeah. connor and don having i mean connor and jake haven't gotten to it yet so i don't want to go i full into it yet don't care about spoilers personally for later on either in i this do episode i'll kill or you whenever <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's yeah. I finished it like earlier in the week. Well, like, <laughs> the duality of man, yeah, right there. Duality of man. I, I just love like almost everything in that book. It, it was such a great read, and I love how Mike Chen writes these characters. And uh, I hope he gets to he seems uh, to get them so well. Yeah. I oh, was shocked really how well he yeah. wrote. The way he Anakin talked about that all on Twitter. Yeah, like it's, yeah, and he even he even used parts of like. Uh, well, I won't say, but he used like the way he's used parts of other books and the films. Yeah, it's really, it's really good, and There's like also like he has I... these new characters. Yeah, I yeah. could go on 
messages about it, honestly, because I just love I love how he writes Obi Wan and Anakin and his understanding of them and what makes them tick is just so good. And he gives them, and it's a real nice transition from like Attack of the Clones into like uh, the Clone Wars. It's a, it's a perfect coda in a way. Exactly, and we get the uh, the canon so reason for uh, that business on Cato Nemoidia and whether or not it does count, uh, which uh-huh. I will I will save oh, for the full review. Doesn't count. Ooh. Oh, I'm the opposite. I think it does count. Uh, but, oh. yeah, I'm sorry, Obi-Wan, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, the other thing that I want to bring up, because I'm pretty sure all of us have read it at this point, is uh, Star Wars number 25 that came out last week. Uh, what an issue. Oh, that was so good. Connor I haven't was like, read it. I was like, nope, sorry. Um, <laughs> Connor. The... Uh, the post story I gotta be in a mood. The post story got me really, really misty eyed. I just gotta say that. Like I was nope. not expecting to get so emotional over Snap because I've had really no connection to Snap besides oh that's Greg Gumberg. See, but you were like, emotional over Snap. I was emotional over somebody else. Ooh. I mean I haven't I was kinda like I haven't Can read we the... talk spoilers? Can I say spoilers? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I haven't read the Poe comics, so, like, that's probably, like, if I did, I would probably be, like, on the floor crying, but... I was yeah. bawling over Mr. Bones. Rest in oh, peace, my boy. Yeah, you will I be forgot missed forever. about that. Oh I was kind of ambivalent because I don't I don't right. know that character from Aftermath, but I'm I'm expecting to feel like sudden a sudden rush of emotion once I finally get into like Chuck Wendig's Aftermath books. But like overall, like the the issue is is really cool. Yeah. I love that it. I love how it celebrates like Charles Soule's history with Star Wars and like all the characters he's he's touched and and, and written. I like my obviously my favorite was the Obi Wan and Anakin story. Like I just Obi Wan talking about really why the Jedi use lightsabers and not a lightsaber like blasters or bombs or any of that. It's it's so perfect and such a great distillation of of why the Jedi are. And then you get like the Palpatine and Vader story and like you have it's the exact you've got opposite. like it's the exact I love opposite. how that one is just great. like Palpatine's just like fight me i said to my one friend i'm like why is palpatine being like you fight like a jedi it's like him like on the playground like you fight like a girl darth vader like like that's just how i read it as it's actually like that kind of stuff like it's like like no i do not fight like a girl it's like the jedi like yeah we fight with a lightsaber because we don't you know the weapons and stuff and then palpatine's like no like we use lightsabers but our main power comes from the dark side of the force like, Which is explains it also explains why like Palpatine's not like that big on using them uh, in like uh, Return of the Jedi. Like, oh, that's why he favors mm. Force Lightning because he's like eh, the lightsaber is just like a secondary thing, really. I mean, it it's interesting because there's obviously that whole line of thought in um you know uh, Fallen Order of like you know it's a line that Connor's that Connor will big up quite a lot. Like you know you, you having a lightsaber isn't what makes you a Jedi. Which is which is very true because it's like it's it's about a Jedi spirit, but I do love how uh, the comics and the, the the books find a way to big up, find find a way to like uh, uh, what's the word? Find a way to uh, enhance, expand, or expand. Like, yes, yeah. enhance, enhance the the Jedi's connection with lightsab with the lightsabers and what a lightsaber means symbolically to a jedi and 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 how, and why they use it and what what they feel it represents and it's just it's just that whole speech with obi-wan is just 
Pete yeah, Stahl was no, I, I, love I, I loved his thing with the, yeah, the two it. sabers on the chain. I was like, oh, that visual. It's like, that, okay. <laughs> Do y'all remember in Battlefront, the OG Battlefront 2 from 2005, when you would play as Ventress, how she had the two lightsabers attached to the chain like they were nunchucks? No, but I didn't that's know. how I... Ventress plays in Battlefront 2005. Wait, wait, okay. Is she, in the, is she in the console version? Yeah, she I've, is. I've never yes, been able to play really as Ventress cool. in that game. I, like, she's she is playable when you play on Renvar during the Clone Wars. Oh, Renvar. Oh wait, this is wait. You're you're talking about? Are you oh. talking Battlefront or Battlefront Two? Battlefront Two. Battlefront doesn't have heroes. Battlefront Two from two thousand five. Yeah. yeah, that's fascinating. When where is Renvar in two thousand five? Battlefront Two. It's down at the bottom. There's Citadel and Harbor. Well, I, how have I Red never... Arson. I know way too much about this. Those I was going like to say, this is one of my favorite wait, games wait, of all time. Maps. I have no idea. Wait, wait. <laughs> Renvar is in 2005 Battlefront 2 because in all of my years of playing it, I've never, never I've seen never that seen as it. a map. I've never seen oh, it. Oh, she's, she's DLC. Have y'all not life. scrolled down? No, she's wait. DLC. She's only she's available... She's, she's only available she, in Battlefront 2 because of an Xbox Live patch. That's why. Because she's not on the version of the game that I have. I was, yes! was going to say, I've wow. played it, I played oh, it I on PS2 my crazy. whole life. And I've never yeah, seen I thought it was going nuts. I've gone years without she's realizing that. I guess so. Oh, and Kit Fisto, okay, apparently, as well. Had, Kit Fisto? Yeah, Kit, Kit Fisto. Yeah. He's shirtless. Oh, I... <laughs> I gotta get an original. Yeah, I gotta look. This I gotta get an OG Xbox. Oh, I gotta. I gotta check out Battlefront any Xbox. Now. I've been replaying Battlefront Two excessively on my Series X with backwards oh. compatibility. Look, oh, sweet! I tried to get oh, my friend to sell me her Xbox Series X, and and she left me on red. So um, that didn't work. That's evil. Um, well, I don't think you need an X because I used to play it on my. My one, whatever the hell the one from like eight years ago was, I, I played a backwards compatibility on that too, and she was in it. No, Dude, well, yeah, yeah well, I mean, in two thousand five, Battlefront two, her face is the stuff of nightmares. Oh my, let me. I'm gonna she looks so that. much cooler than she does in canon. I'm sorry, but like those stupid <laughs> little mouth tattoos look like she's just drooling. Oh my goodness. Let's see. Whoa, she looks. I mean, that's fair. They zombie. do look. They do look odd, but like, it's just maybe it's just the graphics of it. It's like, like her mouth tattoos. Like, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of spooky. Um, her mouth tattoos are so kind of like blade, aren't they? Like where he's got the tattoos that like lead into his hairline, where mm -hmm. which basically means he can't have any other hairstyle because like he's literally <laughs> yeah. cut his hair exactly so he can have the tattoos on the side of his head. That's kind of what it feels like with Ventress. Yeah. Almost. Yeah, like, honestly. That that so the one thing I had a question of about the the Vader story before I talk about the Kylo one real quick. Maybe it's cuz I'm just have not read much of the Vader comics, but was that a different lightsaber or was Charles Soule just drawing Vader's saber a bit differently cuz it looked like a oh, new oh, saber no. to me. So I can tell you yes, okay. it, it is an intentionally different saber. So like without mm -hmm. getting too much into spoilers, like the first volume of Charles Soule's Vader run, it takes place literally right after Revenge of the Sith, and it's all about, like, it's a, it's literally about Vader building his new lightsaber, and, and, and that's where we get the whole uh, detail about, like, 
it's how the Sith uh, turn their lightsabers red they, because they bleed the kyber crystal. They infuse the crystal with all of their hatred and anger, and, and that's what turns the crystal red. And it has to be from another Jedi. Yeah, so I won't go too much into that, but yeah, like... His whole mission from there is like about building his lightsaber, and and that's why he has a different one. So, yeah, so also I mean, like, it's, it's fantastic. Such a great arc. Yeah, the Vader comic. I have the trade oh, paperback I mean, in my room. I'm gonna start it like as soon as I possibly oh, can. Oh yes, I've reread that arc like three times. I think. Yeah, me too. It's so good. It really is. Like I'm up to like volume three with the Mon Mon Cal storyline, and it's just it's so good. Dude, the Mon everything in that comic is just phenomenal. Yeah. But uh, we should talk about Claw Yeah, oh, we should. We should. I, I was just going to say that Kylo arc was, I mean, the Kylo story was great too. It was haunting. Yes. Uh, yes, that's the last thing I'd say. Yeah, the Kylo Ren story is really good. And like kind of, that's them kind of like doing a little bit of like uh, damage control because of the fact that the line yeah around kid was never paid off which really frustrates me still but like yeah. i like that they, i like that charles soul took that line uh and and paid it off and it's a little sad that we see that that like kylo ren has like the jedi temple on osis like bombarded but like it was a very kylo ren thing to do and yeah. you know no one's gone back there so exactly you know and i love that charles soul gave us our first post Rise of Skywalker stories in canon that I, I believe, I think this is the first one. Uh, I'm pretty yeah. sure it is. Yeah, yeah it, is. it is. Uh, but yeah, He gave us our first post Last Jedi stories in the comics, so pretty yeah. fitting he does it with Rise, Rise of Skywalker. Skywalker. Yeah, and it was Very a great true. story. Uh, and it's not canon, but we got the, the, the clip from uh, the new Lego special today and the poster, and that looks so much fun. Uh, I haven't watched that yet. I have oh. to. Finn is hilarious in it, but I, I'll, I'll talk about that when it drops. But now, Connor's right. Let's get into these episodes because I have so much to say about these ones. The one thing that I loved about this arc was the fact that I loved all three episodes more than I was expecting. But I loved all three of them for different reasons. Like, they were an arc and they all connected, but they were such different. Like, Bombad Jedi was like a comedy Cloak of Darkness was like a straight up action, and then Lyra Grievous was like kind of like a horror story, uh, or like a survival mm -hmm. mission, and they all work together so well, which I was shocked by, uh, and all bring them together through uh, Viceroy Gunroy, uh, which is Jake's guy. Jake loves some new Gunroy, uh, but yeah, we'll get into that. Yep. So. Our first episode was Bombad Jedi. It was directed by Jesse Yeh, written by Kevin Rubio, Henry Gilroy, and Stephen Melching. Our moral is heroes are made by the times. We start off, Padme is on a mission to Roydia to talk to her uh, former family friend, uh, Senator Farr. She is with C-3PO and Jar Jar Binks. The first thing I pointed out is, yes, I am so excited that we're going to get a Padme story because I, I love me some Padme stories. Uh, and she is wearing the uh, the Geonosis outfit, which is, uh, we love to see it. That's peak Padme right there. And Pal yeah. Palpatine is worried for her because she's going without a clone escort. Uh, but Padme's like, nope, she wants, she's just there to help a friend. She doesn't need military or anything like that. And it just shows the kindness of Padme's character that she's willing to potentially put herself at risk just to save someone that she cares about from her past. And th that's one of the big things that I love about Padme as a character. I've always loved about Padme as a character is her kindness in her heart, 
which is on display throughout a lot of the Clone Wars and a lot of these stories. Uh, and we also get uh, uh, Jar Jar's Clone Wars look, which I'm always a big fan of. I, I love his Clone Wars outfit. Same. It's yeah, like with, with the top, it looks with so the goofy, like, but like yeah, because he's got the kind of like uh, the loose fitting tie and to kind of show love that, the tie about it. Yeah, like how it swings around because it's kind of like it 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 shows that he's sort of like he's sort of a dignitary, but he's also not really because he doesn't have the decorum of like a a full senator like the way Padme right. does. Like he kind of is, but he's also a mess. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the case with Jar Jar. Like, I'll, I'm very excited to talk Jar Jar for this in this episode, yeah. in this like episode because it's like you can tell right off the bat that like he's he's gonna mess some stuff up just by some of the lines and some of the things they're hinting at. It's like, uh oh, yeah, some stuff like, is gonna happen. There's like a bit later on in the episode when like Padme finds like when Padme finds out that the ship has been destroyed oh, and hilarious. like without pause. He just asked 3PO, Jar Jar, and 3PO goes, Jar Jar. 3PO, <laughs> so funny. 3PO had me in stitches this whole episode. I'm just going to say that right now. Like it He was... was so fed up, but also, like, wasn't annoyed with Jar Jar. Like, he was like, no, Jar Jar's dead. And then he's like, no. you're a fool. <laughs> it's great. Uh, when yeah. they arrive at Rodia, I'm just going to say, I love the score. Like, Kevin Kiner's score in these episodes I did write like, that so good and like, i just I, I just immediately like the score caught my attention i was like okay that's awesome and i just love the look of rhodia i i i'm a i'm a Dang. sucker for the uh the swamp and the uh, the aquatic planets like i'm that's just always been my thing is like water worlds oh my god so rhodia looks so of, cool i completely so i basically forgot about this episode besides it being a jar jar episode before i rewatched it and i just fell in love with the design of Rhodia. Just the, the strength of Clone Wars to me overall is just like the amount of wacky and unique looking planets that they have is oh, yeah. immeasurable. Yeah, no, it I they was... really go all out with like the prequel esque looks designing, yeah. which like obviously like that makes sense. It's set in the prequels, but like it really is just like dope as hell seeing like something that isn't just like a sand planet or a mountain planet or a jungle planet yeah, yeah. and it also kind of like makes sense because like the rodians are very much they've got kind of like an insect design anyway so it would make sense that they would hail from like a a kind of swampy world more yeah. or less and i like that it has its own like thriving ecosystem of like creatures and stuff like how yeah, they no. like have their own and how they have their own vocabulary and everything, and and their own language, and how they are like rude to three PO and and Jar Jar, and there's that f- great bit when Jar Jar tries. It was <laughs> oh, rude. how rude! Just loved it, uh, and yeah. I just the one thing that stuck out because again I have to bring up those episodes from our last time, but the big thing that we were talking about specifically with Downfall of a Droid was how bad the whole episode looked so to get an episode like this and the other two where the animation is just beautiful and like every time that i was because this came out in late 2008 but every time like there was an underwater scene in this episode i was just shocked of how good the animation looked like that was just one of my highlights for this episode it didn't have like the video game-esque feel to it like those other episodes yeah exactly 
Yeah. I mean, there were, like, a couple shots, like, where Padme is, like, jumping to, like, fight to, like, shoot the droids that felt a little stiff. But other than that, like, everything... Yeah, the like, big thing there is the movement itself, yeah. not so much, like, the yeah. lighting and yeah. uh, the textures. Exactly. Like, but, but like, like you said, the underwater stuff looks great. Like, the lighting, the way... is like, when Jar Jar was, like, swimming, th like, through the frame, I was like, oh, wow, the light... I was, like, really struck by the lighting and how well lit he was and how much like uh dimension the scenery had because of that and i love the design of that like uh water slug as well yeah no that was a really cool looking uh creature i love the little water slug guy every time they like have like aquatic creatures introduced I'm, I'm a big fan it just reminded me of the uh there's always a bigger fish from phantom menace like, mm -hmm. those yes. type of designs <laughs> I was literally yeah. going to say the line, exactly, yeah. There was a couple kind of fun, like, Phantom Menace callbacks in this one, though. Like, the, you know, fart joke with the how rude, like, that's Phantom Menace. Um, I feel like they, I think there was a musical cue that lines up when Jar Jar was being chased by the slugfish underwater that was similar to the one that plays when they're being chased by the goberfish. Um, yeah, and then Padme and Jar Jar one, but is just a, a Phantom Menace parent itself. Yeah, so, it was really, and then New Gunray being the main villain, like this, there was a lot of Phantom Menace parallels in this episode. Uh, I have written down Padme tells Jar Jar to stay with the ship so he doesn't pull a Jar Jar and fuck everything up. And uh, spoiler alert, that doesn't happen. He fucks everything up, <laughs> but <laughs> in a beautiful, beautiful way. Uh, the one thing that I really did enjoy about this episode was how well I think they did at uh, making the relationship between Senator Farr and Padme feel like important and strong. Uh, I was under the impression yeah. that this was the first time the character had appeared, but when I did more research, he was actually in the first two movies in the prequels, and I know he was in uh, two or th maybe all of the uh, Padme books that E.K. Johnson wrote. Because uh, I remember him popping up in Queen's Hope, but uh, he was in Queen's Shadow, I believe, as Wait, well. Wait, he was in Phantom Menace and Attack Apparently, I looked it up on Wikipedia, and he's Thanks. one of the senators from Rhodia in those movies. So he must be a background character, but he's in Oh, he's them. definitely a background character. Yeah, probably in those same shots where we see E.T. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Fucking E.T. Which I, I had no idea, because I thought he was created specifically for the Clone Wars. But I look and it says Phantom Menace first appearance. I'm like, what? So uh, I thought. Oh, wait it was a, a minute. Yeah, I thought it was a retcon, but they they had like words about how they created the character and stuff. So I was I was surprised by that. Uh, it's what George does. It's what George he does. brings. He brings these random background characters back. It's like oh, yeah, that Rodia. Let's make him. Let's make him important in the Clone Wars. Yeah, let's uh, bring the Rodian that's like just in the like the Senate Senate meeting. Let's just bring him in and give him like a whole backstory. Yeah. But immediately he's like he questions Padme. It's like you know that the Republic really hasn't been here to help us since the war began. And we find out that he's taken an offer from Count Dooku, and he's joined up with the Separatists. Which is I feel like this is a theme in a lot of these early Clone Wars episodes. Is insert character will go on a mission uh, to insert planet. They will have. They are tempted by the Separatists, but then they end up joining up with the Republic. By the end of it, we saw this with Ambush earlier on with uh, Toydaria, and now we're seeing it here with Rodia. But I, I feel like it's always like it's an easy story to tell. Like it's a simple story. It'll get you through an episode. You can introduce some new characters. But I, I wouldn't say it's like 
generic or bad or anything like that. like they can always get good stuff from they're able like to this. mix it up enough like it doesn't feel repetitive there's always some kind of different theme or like lesson to be had like I, they don't really like retread on stuff even though they're telling what is essentially the same story yeah. Yeah, and, and this, this one it was there was added stakes to it because we have that dynamic and that pass between Anaconda Far and Padme. Uh, whereas even though even if we haven't seen it, the episode really like spends the first three or four minutes hyping up how important he is to Padme. So when yeah. she finds out that he did join the Separatists, it hurts, and we're like, okay, so we got to get him back on our side now. Yeah, and there's, like, the way D. Bradley Baker kind of, like, uh, performs the character, yeah. there's, like, there's a weathered nature to his voice, so you know that this is, like, a hard decision for him, and that he has, like, the weight of his entire world, of the entire world that he's representing on his shoulders. And it's also kind of, like, like you said, Jake, it's, like, it's it's not, it doesn't feel generic or, like, just a repeat of what happened with Ambush, because you've got the, uh, with, with the involvement of Padme and Newt Gunray, you've got this nice parallel with, like, The Phantom Menace, because... You know, this is what Padme had to stand against, you know, basically being bullied by the Trade Federation into, like, signing away her planet's freedom. And this is kind of what uh, Senator Farr is being manipulated into. And she can see it, but he's blinded by the plight of his people, which is an understandable reaction. Oh, yeah, definitely. Gunray shows up. I love that Tom Kenny is the one voicing him. Like, that just seems like a match made in heaven. Is Tom Kenny yeah. voicing Newt Gunray, and he's such a sleazy, cowardly son of a bitch in this episode, which Jake loves. But I fucking just... love my sleazy bitch ass boy Newt. He shows up. There's he's got a <laughs> couple be, that needs to be on a shirt. My sleazy bitch ass boy. <laughs> that, need, that needs to be our first piece of our art. first, our first, first right ever for the Republic. Yeah, and it's like merch. a. Just, just a, like a spotlight shining yeah. on Newt Gunray as he's trying to run away, a like he like you just drawn story. picture of Newt running away. You it's gotta like have like little heart oh, no. shit all on, on it. God, he's got a couple great lines in uh, Cloak of Darkness too. But he was oh yes, I I do love that whenever Newt Gunray and Padme come into conflict in literally anything, like Padme still has that like she she something about her changes because she's still affected by the invasion in the Phantom Menace. And I think stuff mm-hmm. like even though we only really see it as like oh it's like a an occupation in the movie, other stuff has really built up how like traumatizing and scary that was for the people involved and I think Say what you will about EK's writing, but I think the fact that she had several of the handmaidens have like really direct trauma related to the uh, invasion. I think it's Sasha in particular was tortured by the Trade Federation, and she's got all those scars around her. So that Ooh. that does a I, every time that they go back to that story from Phantom Menace, I'm always impressed with the more they can add to it. Uh, but we yeah, I, I, I definitely. I think that's a real big strength. So Padme- It's a really nice example of good supplementary material, yeah. though, too, because, like, don't get me wrong, Phantom Menace has always been one of my favorite movies. Like, if not, like, at times, it is my favorite. But, like, they talk about how the people are suffering and dying, but they don't ever show it. And I know that that's, like, a very common theme. In Star Wars, like, we don't ever, like, 
get attached to Alderan Alderanians before Alderaan is destroyed. Well, now we have, but like back then we hadn't. Or like the yeah. Battle of Coruscant, we don't really see that other than like what's going on in space. We don't see how it affected the citizens of Coruscant or like Hosnian Prime. We don't really see how that like affected the residents of Hosnian Prime and all that. But like, it's always cool in the supplementary material to like kind of go back and actually see like the impact these things have had because Star Wars is a story about war. And so often we kind of forget that there's like everyday people that are being impacted by the war that is going on in Star Wars. And so yeah, I love when we yeah. finally get to see that. For sure. Because like in real yeah, because that's all often those are the people who are going to be impacted by a war. Like war is fun to war is like a thing that is a lot rather fun to write about, I suppose, for like things like Star Wars. But then, you know, I think what's great is Star Wars has always been conscious of the fact, in, especially in the supplementary materials, that yes, real like the, it's always the uh, civilians, the uh, the ordinary people, air quotes, that get are the ones who get who get hurt by this and i think often mm -hmm. the best stories are like the ones that like kind of shine a spotlight on that and kind of call attention to the conflict because it gives the whole conflict stakes and doesn't just feel like a throwaway you know laser light show right no, i agree with everything you said <laughs> thanks padme is captured once again the phantom menace parallels we cut back to jar jar and 3po they are just attacked by droids and somehow Jar Jar manages to klutz his way into beating them with this giant magnet. 3PO gets stuck to it, which I was having a ball with that. Uh, crab droids freaking show up. I say crab droids in all caps. I, I love... Okay, so like I've talked about... I've, I probably have. I can't really remember. But I've probably talked about how just I love just almost every design that was in the prequels. Crab droids are like up there for me. Yeah, no, I just mm -hmm. fucking yeah. love the design so much. The Revenge of the Sith game. Oh. I think there's a level yes. where you have to fight a giant. Oh. And yeah, you literally fight them on Utapau in the Revenge of the Sith game, and I'm just like, bro, what? Like, yeah, oh, I gotta buy. I gotta buy that game. It's I one of my favorite like throwaway battles from Revenge of the Sith. Like just that one clone just like jumping on top jumping of the crab droid. Yes, shoot him yeah. on the top of the head. Like, yeah. That one clone, he's he's a badass. We should have like, like a backstory about him. All I'm gonna say, just I know none of the developers and writers of Survivor are listening to this, but like all I'm gonna say, you're giving us Magna Guards, you're giving us B1 battle droids. Hey, throw in some crab, crab droids, droids for how the fight. They'd be a pretty Wouldn't good mini boss. You, you say listening, but like it came out uh, when Amanda Amanda Stenberg was cast for the Acolytes. Was yeah, I listened to a bunch of Star Wars podcasts. I was like, well, um, I got one for you. <laughs> it's Schrodinger. It's Schrodinger's podcast. If she doesn't say, if she doesn't say what specifics one she she listens to, she listens to ours. Want to talk about some Clone yeah. Wars? <laughs> let's. let's uh, but yeah. I love. Yeah. Just to note, great casting. Great casting oh, for Elite. Yeah. Amazing. I don't know if you all have yeah, seen playing. I don't know if you all have I seen wonder who she's give, playing. But really she is incredible in that movie. So ever since that has been rumored, oh, I've been 100% on board with the casting. It's it's going to be great. Uh, yeah. But I think Jar Jar gets knocked off the, the, the ledge by the crab droid into the water. And 3PO, oh no, Jar Jar's been killed. I knew something like this would happen. I was in stitches, man. Like, 3PO Can we just great. start referring to 3PO as 3SO, though? Oh no. I love 3SO. 3SO is so funny. 
Early Clone Wars was just at its best when it was like fine to be goofy and weird. Like it always was so much better when it was just over the top ridiculous and like that whole scene where Jar Jar's fighting off the crab droid and screaming about saving three so while three PO's just like attach to this magnet just like go Jar Jar get him and like oh I love that it yeah. was beautiful and then he blows up the ship with the magnet and uh, I, I posted the image on Twitter but that of like the mouth agape Jar Jar screen cap I've been using that as a reaction image for like years and I had no <laughs> idea it was from this episode so I saw it, I was like, wait a minute! And I just had to go back into my phone, and I looked for it, and I was like, that's, that's the picture right there. And Jar Jar's got a lot of great reaction shots in this in this episode. Uh, but of course he manages to blow up the ship. But in the ship, they find... Uh, guys, I don't know how, how this got in here. But they find a Jedi robe in the, in the closet of Padme's ship. Now, now, how do you? I think love that how happened? this is a metaphor for like forgetting your underwear at a one night stand's house. No, like I said, they they got caught playing a game of hide the lightsaber, and uh, Anakin left his robe <laughs> there. That's what I said on I, Twitter. I, also, I love the way three uh, PO. Like, it's so obvious that three PO knows why the cloak's there, and then like when Jar Jar asks him, he goes, "Hmm, I wouldn't know," <laughs> and then just quickly tries to steer the conversation away. Like, I cannot say. <laughs> 3PO's having like war flashbacks he's like no I don't want to think about those noises I heard just, <laughs> just stop talking Jar Jar please but voices Jar Jar uh, takes the uh, the robe as a disguise we get an I have a bad feeling about this from 3PO uh, and of course the droids in their comedic glory are like look it's a Jedi and they uh, and then all of the hijinks start in this episode. They mistake him for uh, a, a Jedi. The whole thing reminded me of that Age of Republic comic with Rex and Jar Jar, where Jar Jar's got the lightsaber for a split second. Yes. Like, that's all I was thinking about throughout this For the longest episode. time, that is how I had my Jar Jar Black series figure posed, is I had an extra Luke lightsaber. And I had him posed in that still of the comic where Jar Jar looks all badass holding the lightsaber. That's it must so have awesome. been like Mandela effect for me, like combining the two in my memory. Because like I was like, I could have sworn in this episode he did have a lightsaber, but then that's just me mixing up the comic in this. But yeah. they, they still do a great job at like having him be. And then Ascender Far calls him Master Bombad at the end of the episode, which I was like, like Connor, Connor's loving this right now. This is yeah, that was um, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it was Bombad. It wasn't. It was fact, pretty bomb. Yep, yeah, it was. It was in fact pretty Bombad. Uh, I, I mentioned uh, earlier how when he hide hit underwater of how I just loved how beautiful the the animation was in those shots. Uh, and then we get to see that big fish for the first time. It's introduced as kind of like a foil for Jar Jar. And then eventually, later in the episode, he uses it to help defeat the droids, which w was great. And I just love how, even though Jar Jar is depicted as like this klutzy character and, and he can be a bit annoying to some people, I, I love how he's always had like this connection to other creatures 
and he's just always like he's 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 a friendly guy and even though he you know destroys everything in his path because he's a klutz there's yeah that. i was listening yeah. to uh my friends the kessel run relay their uh podcast about the phantom menace and they were talking about how Jar Jar got banished from Naboo, and it's like he definitely killed someone, didn't he? Like you just don't get like banished and thrown out. Oh yeah, this man, yeah, this, he. Some something went down. Someone yeah, he, died. He got banished for gunken manslaughter. Oh no. <laughs> um, but no, what, what to go back vehicle do you think? Or did he use a vehicle, or did he like? Pop one of the bubbles or something and drown everybody inside. Probably one of the bubbles. Broke. I think I he feel broke like the bubbles is like the better is probably the more logical. I always uh, thought he broke Boss Nass's car or something. That was that was kind of what I I took from that line. That is also that could also be true. But no, maybe to go back he to one of your the points, peace orb, and they had to get a new one for the end of the movie. They're like, God damn it! Oh no. <laughs> um. To go back to one of your points, Andrew, about uh, the whole connecting with animals, I think that's honestly one of my favorite tropes in Star Wars, because like it kind of goes into the sort of a character uh, really connecting with nature and sort of defining that part of themselves through uh, this Earth and through sort of the natural environment of the world and connecting with animals is just one way to do that and just a really cool art it's just a really cool trope to me that we especially see with ezra yeah yeah no and 100%. It, it grounds jar jar as well it grounds it gives him a kind of emotional grounding because like you know i, I love jar jar I, I like jar jar was my favorite character for years as a, as a kid before i like kind of switched to obi-wan when i got older but like I always, I always hated that Jar Jar got. I always, I, it always upset me that Jar Jar got so much hate as a character, and I love that there's been a lot of reappraisal of him in the in in the most more recent times, especially of Armid, especially of Armid Best as well. And he's so good. He's like so good here. He's basically just slipping back into this, like like uh, it was like just yesterday that he did Phantom Menace. But like again, to expand on your point, Andrew, uh, I, I think uh, what's great about the way Jar Jar is portrayed in this episode is it's very much in the same vein as Phantom Menace, where, like you said, he's a klutz and he and he and he destroys everything in his path, and he can even maybe be annoying to some people. But like Padme and three PO, the way they kind of look at him, they they have a more complicated view as him because it's like, yeah, he's a bit, yeah, he can be a bit much sometimes, but he's our friend, and we we respect him, and we see him as like someone like worthy of admiration and respect because like deep down, because like Jar Jar, he he means well, and like what's great is we get to see him be more than just like because if this was like a you know like a fandom menace type person writing this story he would he would be reduced to like a coward he would just be running away the whole time he wouldn't have any redeeming qualities whatsoever but like he he's the one who keeps driving the action he's the one who wants to save padme he wants to help he cares about his friends and i think it's really lovely that jar jar has that that empathy like yeah. deep down I, it, yeah it's i think I think a great quality about Jar Jar as a character and how he's, like, depicted in-universe is, like, yes, he has... He can be a bit of a nuisance, but he's not, like, considered one by the people around him. Like, they, they care for him as a person. Like, I real quickly calling back to Brotherhood, uh, this isn't a spoiler, but there's a scene where Anakin's talking to a group of younglings, and he says, I'm sure you're familiar with my really good friend, Representative Binks. Like... They 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 all like him as a person, 
and they all like enjoy being around him. It's just you know, he's he's a bit of a handful. So it, it's it's very clear that he is uh, he has be- his best intentions at heart, even if he uh, might blow up a couple ships uh, in the process. On he has his best intentions, Magus. even if he doesn't know how to handle them correctly. Now, is he still uh, the reason that Palpatine got those emergency powers? Yes, but he didn't know what he was doing. So, I'll give him a pass. He was being manipulated like we all were. Uh, But we cut back to to Padme in prison, and we get a little bit of an Attack of the Clones callback. She uses her hairpin to escape from the cuffs. Uh, It's like, just thinking back to the line, it's like, what about Padme? Well, she seems to be on top of things. Uh, A pun, and also showing that she's... uh, Gotten out of there before the, the, the two Jedi Knights were able to. Uh, she gets I, back with 3PO. Right, what that's were you gonna so say, great. Uh, oh, no, nice. I was just going to say, it's so hilarious that she tricks the droids by basically pretending oh, a Jedi snuck big, in strong there. Jedis in here. And they're yeah. like, what? Oh, thank you, Master Jedi. They're like, what? A Jedi? <laughs> I love when the droids were like, have you ever killed a Jedi? Like, nope. No, me neither. Wait, no, no. Oh me god, neither. I just spoiled two episodes. Yeah, that now. was. I think that was Layer of Grievous. <laughs> yeah, that, that was Layer of Grievous. That was like the no, one. I'm not, com- I'm not looking at my notes. I'm confused. That was like the one comedic moment in that episode. Was that droid scene? It would fit in this episode, though. I can see why you get it mixed up. Definitely would have. There's also that great scene where three PO like tricks the battle droids when he's walking down the hallway. It's like, oh yeah, the Jedi went that way. Or whatever he said. Yeah, he was uh, like, oh, that was quite impressive. Uh, <laughs> I have the line because I wrote it because I really found it so funny. Uh, the Jedi has been spotted in the South Hall and then they run away and he and then he says to himself, I think that was rather clever. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's, that's such a 3PO thing to do. Like he loves he loves when he does something. He, he he's so used to being caught in the middle of chaos that he loves when he's able to like do something efficient and like actually get on with his task because that's what he he lives to kind of like do to to accomplish things. He doesn't like he doesn't like chaos. He doesn't like mess. I agree. So Padme and three PO reconvene. We get the line we talked about earlier, which had which I think was one of the best. Which is the ship has been destroyed? Battle droids? No. Jar Jar? Jar Jar? Jar Jar. Beautiful. Uh, I think he he shows back up again. And he's sent back into the water. And Padme, there's I think this was my favorite line in the whole episode. Was Padme was like, I think Jar Jar's dead. Three PO and Three PO goes, Not again, poor Jar Jar. Not again. Not again. <laughs> I just, uh, I, again, I was shocked at how much I found this episode hilarious. But we talk about how he formed connection with the giant fish earlier. And that comes back at the end of the episode because he takes out all the droids and Viceroy Gunray with the help of that giant fish. Uh, showing that maybe, even though he isn't a Jedi, and I think he says, yeah, I'm just a Gungan uh, at the end of the episode. But he's he has the heart and the spirit of, of a true hero like uh, the best Jedi should be. Uh, and Senator Farr says, LOL, nope, not joining the Separatists. And joins back with the Republic. Voiceroy Gunright is arrested. And it sets off the, our next two episodes. Uh, we get the aforementioned uh, Farr calling Jar Jar Master Bombad, which I think should just be Connor's title going forward. 
uh, on this show. If I'm being completely honest, and I master bomb bad. I, I second that. My God, master, yeah, that's that's that Thank is dope. You. You're welcome, Master Bombad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Jesus. It's like, there we go. <laughs> Immediate. Immediate. So Palpatine sends some aid to Roydia. Far and Padme reconcile, and we end on a happy note. So, yeah, I see this episode get shot on a lot by people. When I was looking at a couple ranks earlier, like right after we did the downfall of a droid episode, because I was like, okay, this has to be at the bottom of everyone's list. And there was only a couple where it was, and I saw this near the bottom of a lot. So I was like, ah, oh, shit. But I, and I don't remember, like, being a huge fan of it when I first watched it in my first watch of the show seven years ago. But I really enjoyed this episode this time around. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, the animation was great. I loved the look of Rodia, like I said. It was great seeing a Padme story uh, without having a lot of tie. Like, the only tie to Anakin we get in this whole episode is the robe. Like, he's not mentioned, really, by her. He he doesn't come in to try to save her at any points. It's just all Padme on a mission. I loved the uh, the politics of this episode. I just really had a lot of fun with this one. Yeah, I quite did as well. Yeah, like, I, I, I'm very I remember, nostalgic like, for it. Yeah. I remember, like, I feel like, for me, it. personally, it's because I think I had an uncle on a Lego figure, if I'm remembering correctly. I oh, think sweet. that they did a set from this, did, oh, and I'm man. pretty sure Ooh. there was an Uncle Anno Lego minifigure, and so I always specifically remember watching this episode, because I had, like, the DVD of season one after it came out, and I would re-watch this one. Yeah. Yeah, you know what? I did. He came with the, um, the Separatist, the shuttle. That came with oh. new gun ray and two mm. battle droids. That's really cool. Interesting. Yeah. I, like, I like a lot of those early Clone Wars Lego sets. I'm lucky enough to yeah. have a couple of them like still in box, like we talked about in the first episode. So I got I gotta go out and I gotta find some of them that aren't several hundred dollars. Uh, I, because I those are nice. I'm so overdue a rebuild of like I have a bunch of uh, Clone Wars era sets and like, oh, and they're all just sitting in a box somewhere. I need to rebuild those. But yeah, I, I overall liked the episode. I like, I, I think like I, it was very okay. I, when I first watched it, I, I thought it was, I thought it was okay. And then like rewatching it all these years later, I was like, Oh, this, I, it's just a really fun episode. And it's just a really nice spotlight for Jar Jar, especially after all the hate he got in the prequels and like how his role got, reduced down because the fan out the so-called fan outcry was so loud and obnoxious that he had that they had to reduce his role but like i'm glad that he's at least getting the love from the clone wars team and it, like as we're gonna see down the line i i like that they kept the streak going and they always kind of like they always kind of were very clear we have a soft spot for jar jar we like jar jar and we're gonna treat him with the care and respect that we think he deserves and, and like <laughs> see i looked this up while we were talking as well uh, so, like, the reason he was banished is that he crashed Boss Nass's Hayblibber, which is literally his personal submarine. So he actually you did were, get banished. You were right. Yeah. How <laughs> fuck did he get in it? Yeah, he, he somehow wrecked Boss Nass's car, and that's why he got banished. So he didn't kill anyone. <laughs> he just he just broke the boss's car. Damn it, Jar Jar. Nice. You sit in big doo-doo now. Uh, <laughs> oh, how wooed! Uh, but 
now it's time because I was doing some research and I have a couple behind the scenes notes for this one. Uh, one of them I think is going to get us all very upset because we were deprived of greatness. Uh, but the first is this is the only episode of season one that Ahmed Best voiced Jar Jar. He is voiced by a different voice actor, uh, BJ Hughes, for the rest of season one. But Best returns to the role in season three onwards, which we saw when we did uh, Supply Lines, because that's technically a part of season three. So Best yes. is gone for a bit, but then he comes back to the role, which is nice. Uh, and then here's the big one. So apparently, Quinlan Voss was originally stated to appear, uh, slated to appear in an early draft of Bombad Jedi. He was to be working undercover and actually using his Force abilities to make it look like Jar Jar was a Jedi. He was eventually cut because at the early stages of production, the studio didn't have the ability to include many new characters because of the time it took to create a digital model. God damn it! Oh, that would have been so good. They should redo that for, like, Bad Batch or something, or Tales of the Jedi. That would be so good. Oh. this, This would be my second favorite arc in all of Clone Wars. Yeah, like the whole episode would just Honestly, be like top tier. Don, you just gave me an idea. It would actually be really, really fucking funny if, like, they do a tales if they if for like a season two they did a tales of the Jedi episode and it was just Quinlan making Jar Jar feel like a Jedi. He was there the whole time. He was just like underneath the floor. <laughs> yeah, just like moving the plates and stuff, so Jar Jar was able to like get away and do do like. That's flips why and that stuff. one like gate, like that gate in the floor, was like randomly open that Jar Jar fell into. Yeah, Quinlan just messing <laughs> yeah. with him. It's like, yeah, we talk all the time about how Quinlan only shows up in one Clone Wars episode. Well, apparently, apparently, wasn't always supposed to be that way. Um, I read that and I was literally like, "Are you kidding me?" Like that would have been so great. Uh, but at least we got a fun episode out of it, but we were deprived of Master Voss once more. But I think he's coming soon because they name dropped him in Kenobi, so that makes me think that he's going to show up in Bad Batch or, or something. We have to get more content with him. Because I just I love Quinlan. Definitely. Uh, but let's move on to Cloak of Darkness, which, again, I loved this episode. It was directed by Dave Filoni, written by Paul Dini, which I believe is his first episode uh, that he worked on in the series. The moral is ignore your instincts at your own or at ignore your instincts at your peril. Uh, one, I I think the the team up of Luminara and Ahsoka is a really cool. I pairing. love it. Yes. I, I I fucking love it. It's such a great dynamic. I, I, like I, I now wonder, like if Luminara trained Ahsoka. Oh like, yeah, I, like, I what if really cool head Yeah, and like, what if Anakin trained Barris and uh, Luminara trained Ahsoka? That would be wild. The funniest thing about that, though, is like seeing Ahsoka not with Anakin just really showcases how much she's like Anakin. Yeah, like she's always that so just true. like throwing herself throwing into herself stuff. In like when there. she tries to throw herself down the elevator, Luminara just like snatches her. Like, what are you doing? She's and, like, I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't really gonna. <laughs> and then when she tries to interrogate Gunray early on, it's like, that's Anakin. That is, oh, and we literally yep. see like, Anakin do joking. just that later yeah. in the show. Exactly, because uh, it's like, 
because it because the whole thing with us with Ahsoka and Anakin that we see is like it's not the aggression necessarily that's the problem that's the problem it's the lack of patience because what because mm -hmm. neither because Ahsoka's not actually looking to kill him she's just using the tactic of intimidation because she's impatient for him to give up information right. whereas like Luminara yeah. is like perfectly content to just like play the long game and like let him sweat uh, which. <laughs> Honestly, is not the is not necessarily the right move for this situation as we later see. But like, uh, it's great. Like you said, it's great having these two combined here because Luminara is very much a a prequel Jedi because she's very detached. She's she's yeah. awesome, but she's almost kind of indicative of what the prequel what the Jedi Order is by the time of the prequels. Just like we Mace definitely Windu. see that later yeah. on too. Luminara's been getting a Luminara, lot of Mace Windu like um, hate recently Paris. by Star Wars Twitter and. I don't know. No, I, I love Luminara. I, uh, really? I actually don't. I actually haven't I've seen any. I've seen a lot of Luminara slander lately. So I was always one of my favorites simply because of her look. That like we see her for like two seconds in Revenge of the yeah. Sith. I had the minifigure I, of her with the clone turbo tank as a kid, but then her in two thousand three Clone Wars is just like the coolest. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to say like because I brought up my Clone Wars sets. I'm pretty sure one of these boxes I have over here, Luminara, is actually a minifig in. Uh, one of the sets, so you better open that shit up. I I don't know. I mean, I think it's like four hundred bucks, so I might have to if if I need money. But it's a Luminara minifigure. Very very true. Uh, but again, I love these episodes. I have the five hundred and fifty five dollar Captain Rex Funko Pop. You don't see me listen to that on eBay. I have the old man Rebels Funko Pop, but uh, that's that's about it uh, for that one. Um, but I I do love this team up. Uh, and I really love later on when we get the one of my favorite arcs in the show, the when they go back to Geonosis, where it's Anakin and Barris and Ahsoka yeah. and Luminara. So getting to see Luminara and Ahsoka here teaming up by themselves, I, I, I really loved, and it was a nice preview of, of what we're going to later see. Um, yeah, that's the arc that really showcases her, uh, Luminara as your traditional oh, yeah. Jedi, because she's all like, well, if the Padawans die, they die, and Anakin's like, what? <laughs> I think a, a big reason she gets a lot of, or at least some slander is, isn't it isn't she, when we get to the Martez sisters, isn't she the Jedi that kind of was just like, oh, you lost your home, I'm sorry, your parents are dead and then I believe that away. is the case like, I think so, yeah So, yeah. I don't know if that's actually confirmed, but the way they described her was so, yeah, that's, led many to believe that that's, that's Master well, Luminara like but I don't it's know. like it's a character flaw, isn't it? Like the fact that she is just a little too detached, and that mm -hmm. can lead to like somewhat ap apathy, somewhat, and even like a, a degree of arrogance. Because like as we see, she she doesn't believe that she needs Ahsoka's help, and she, if anything, she's the one in this episode with a lesson to learn. And her 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 kind of like more subdued arrogance when compared to Mace Windu kind of is the main reason that the events of the episode play out as they do. Which is which is interesting, considering that like you know. You'd expect this to be like a humbling for Ahsoka, which it sort of is, but it's more humbling for Luminara. Luminara yeah. Which, yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying it's anything like the the Mace Windu slander because some people hate oh. like David hates Mace Windu. Like <laughs> my, my brother, my brother hated Mace Windu for years because solely because he loved Django Fett and he hated that oh, Mace Windu. Killed. Yeah. I mean, reading Brotherhood, they didn't really. <laughs> Didn't make Mace Windu that likable, but uh, no. <laughs> um, 
But yeah, one of the things about Luminara is I, like, for years, I had no clue that she was on Kashyyyk with Yoda in Revenge of the Sith until I watched it. And I was like, wait a minute, is that Lumin? And then I, I figured it out. Uh, but another uh, connection to the Kashyyyk scene, Commander Gree shows up in this episode. And uh, this haircut, it's something. <laughs> The funny thing yeah, about Gree showing something. up is I remember at the end of the last episode when he shows up, I was like, wait, why the fuck did Gree show up? And then we see Luminara and I was like, oh, yeah. why? Yeah, he's got his head all cut like like he's like he's just hit pause on his life. Yeah, like it's, boy it's, got the double mohawk. His haircut is literally the pause button yeah, on got, a remote. He's got a little bit of an accent and I'm like, okay, this is this is what you've done. Perfect. I love it. He's got some. His Revenge of the Sith armor is some of my favorite clone armor ever. Uh, and oh then, my god, it's so cool! And then Yoda killed, uh, knocks his head off. But we'll we'll yeah. we'll save that for another day. But I was like, oh shit, it's Gree. Uh, and then I also said, oh shit, to what we see in a couple seconds, which is the Coruscant Senate guards, which I'm a big fan. Yeah. of. I, I just Real quick, you said them. we're going to get to that another day. We totally need to do a Revenge of the Sith episode when we finish our Clone Wars rewatch oh, and we can yeah. talk the, about how much the this show pain. has impacted our viewing yeah. of that. Definitely. It's, it's like how when we, the the horror that went through our mind when we finished the ambush episode, and we were like, yeah, one of mm. these clones Yoda kills in Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> yeah. We're like, he kills two you heard it here first for the Republic Pod fans. Revenge of the Sith special episode coming in six years when we finish our rewatch. We'll do, we'll do it for the 20th anniversary of Revenge of the Sith. Oh, everyone's going to be like 25th anniversary. Yeah. Everyone's going to be like celebrating uh, like the two Avengers films. Star Wars out. episode 12. And then yeah. we're like sitting here like going, oh, hey, remember Revenge of the Sith? Yeah, it's like, yeah, Avengers 8. And nine coming out a week apart from each other, uh, but oh let's talk about God. Revenge of the Sith. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, we get introduced to Captain, I believe his name, our Gaius, I believe is how it's pronounced. And immediately, yes, I was like, immediately I was like, something's up with this fucker. So, this guy <laughs> is shady as shit. Something yeah, like, is why up. I literally refer to him to the bitch ass blue dude. I wrote later on, I was like, why does he remind me of Prince Charming from Shrek 2? Like, when he's got oh, his hair. Does. It's the hair. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. It is the hair. It's the hair and the, and the kind of, like, sneery voice that he has. And He's got that <laughs> thick-ass jaw, too. Like, yeah. no one in Clone Wars has, like, those really thick facial features. And this boy's just out here looking like a Giga Chad in Season 1. Yeah, and he just loves himself as well. You can tell, like, he probably just kisses himself goodnight in the mirror before he goes to <laughs> Literally, sleep. yeah, he spends, like, three hours every night just staring at himself in the mirror. Oh, God. Yeah. I, I, like, immediately, I, I, I was like, this guy. This, yeah. This yeah. guy. How come, how come he doesn't have a visor? Like, the other guys have visors. Something's we gotta, up we with gotta see his face. We gotta know but, that see, he's the Armor, captain. though? The Senate Commando armor? Why are they wearing clone armor? Senate Commandos have existed for, like, I centuries. I can tell you why. It's entirely because of budget. It, like, as I watched the feature... Yeah, that, that is why. William Plunkett literally says, like, in designing them, they, 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 couldn't, uh, they couldn't do the, like, flowing robes that you see in Phantom Menace, so they kind of... They worked their way around it by giving them blue clone armor and just having that enlarged shoulder pad that, that they wear. 
Which is kind of clever because you see him later on use the shoulder pad to like block blaster fire, which is just kind you know of what's nightmare. funny though about the armor is when he pokes um the button on the door to let Gunray out yeah. with his elbow. Yeah, canonically speaking, in live action, that part of the armor doesn't exist. <laughs> so if he had done that in live action, he wouldn't have been able to press the button. Because there's no back piece to the elbow armor like that. It's flat on the top. Could have been like, what are Jake. you doing? It's like, oh, I'm trying to open the door. It's like, well, that didn't He's like, work. why won't it work? Why won't it work? Oh, it's not animation. That's why. <laughs> we see Count Dooku showing up again. I just love Dooku's Clone Wars voice. But he sends Ventress to uh, invade the ship. Free Gunray. And this is a big Ventress episode. Which, again, watching this, like, I think... I finished Brotherhood and then watched this episode. And it was like, yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah. Like, I was in a big Ventress mood. And this was a great Ventress showcase, uh, this episode. Uh, we, we get to uh, what we... He's one of my most underappreciated characters, and I don't yeah. know why. But I love this episode with her in it. She's I do. So good truthfully. She's freaking great. Yeah, it's a really good script as well from Paul Dini because like I'm a big fan of his anyway because of like you know Batman the animated series, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and he's just he he's really excels at like the kind of like darker, more villain centric episodes, and like you know Ventress here is is genuinely menacing. She feels like a real threat the way she kind of slips into the sh uh, sneaks into the ship and just like starts taking it down from the inside. And I also love like her little. Uh, banter with Ahsoka when she like drops in, and Ahsoka calls her the hairless harpy. Yeah. And she calls it's like if anything, she's the hairless harpy had me in stitches. I was like, well, that, that was like brutal. when she goes to kill that clone, and his last words are, "There's a bald." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a bald what? Uh, a bald what? She's like a bald what? God, she calls Ahsoka like uh. Skywalker's filthy, obnoxious little pet, and I was like, oh, <laughs> "Yeah, so savage." Oh, I still can't. Why, why'd she have to mess around with that poor little droid so much? Like, let that Dude. man just go in and out. Don't make him all scared like that. I was yeah, waiting I for that droid for to get him. cut down. But I was, I was scared. I was horrified. I was preparing myself to be absolutely horrified. Speaking of that scene, I am almost positive the sound effect that they used for her throwing the thermal detonators is the same sound that is used in Clone Wars 2003 when she's like stealthily taking out the clones on Yavin 4. Oh, that's Ooh. cool. Yeah. And oh, and also here's, here's a little tidbit like about those. So like, uh, cause I, I, when I was writing Scars of War for like, uh, uh, SWEF. I did. I was like, there was a point where I wanted one of the characters to use a thermal detonator that was like, because I I remembered reading somewhere, oh, that there was like, there were like magnetic clamp thermal detonators, and I was I couldn't mm -hmm. think where I found the found the story where it happened, and then literally when Ventress was like throwing them and attaching them all around, I was like, oh yes, this is the episode. So I was just I I was just kind of like, it's just it's a cool little uh, connection, and I love that I. I love the way they kind of look and like the sound of them like attaching and stuff. Yeah, no, they, that was really cool. Uh, Ahsoka, we see her trying to uh, interrogate Gunnery like we talked about. It's it's Anakin to a T. And we see the clashing between her and Luminara throughout the whole episode. 
the super battle droids board the ship and I was like this whole shot in this extended scene of like the battle droids getting on the ship and then fighting off the clones. I just loved how it looked. I just straight up said the animation here rules. And we get this one shot of Ventress coming in and like this POV shot of her killing the clone. Oh my God. I was screaming. It was so cool. Like there was a couple POV shots in these three episodes. I feel like there was another one. Um, Oh God, I don't remember what, but I know that there was another one. But it might have been in Layer of Grievous. I think it might be, yeah. But like, I just remember, like, I was like, oh yeah, like we're getting some cool stuff here, like with the animation, like they're they're doing different stuff, they're taking risks, and I was like, just seeing stuff like this, and then going back, I'm sorry to do this, but going back to Downfall of a Droid, I'm just like, ah, oh, (laughs) and then why couldn't y'all have been better? But then just this episode, like I was like. I was watching this and I was just blown away the whole time. Like this episode is kicking so much ass. Uh, That's what's amazing about Clone Wars, isn't it? Like you can go from like a uh, downfall of a droid with like Ron Perlman's Trandoshan ripping ass through his mm-hmm. ship, and then you go to this and you've got this like really, really like a uh, dark kind of like uh, exciting action-packed episode. It's like it, it's season one's very interesting. Uh, real quickly, I just want to point out, uh, we were just talking about Bombad the whole time, but Scotty j just followed uh, For the Republic on Twitter, so that Let's is... So that is... Uh, <laughs> yeah! That, that's yeah. perfect timing right there. And he, just he just retweeted my, uh, my me tweeting about us recording, which is awesome. So yeah, I thanks, Scotty. Awesome. Love that, man. Appreciate you, dude. Very Thank bombad. you, Scotty. <laughs> so... I just saw that. I was like, "Wait a minute, hold on." The universe knows. They know Star Wars Twitter. Um, but something must have happened with Luminara uh, at this point in the episode because I just write in my notes. I might start feeling like how Connor feels about Ala Sakura towards Luminara at this point. So I don't know what it was, but I uh, mean, four a.m. I, I can't must blame have been you. Down bad. Something. I think it's the voice. I think it's the I, voice. Dude, I can't blame you. Luminara's voice is phenomenal. So, I don't... Yeah. I don't remember what it was. But Ventress does show up, and we get, very briefly, Ahsoka and Ventress going at it, which I was, like, super-duper hyped for. Uh, but then Luminara shows up, and it's the two of them. Uh, Ventress it gets uh, Ahsoka in, like, Gunray's pod, uh, holding pod. Gunray's able to escape, and then Luminara shows up real quickly freezer and we get like the two of them going at it and then ventress sets off the thermal detonators which i just got reminded of uh the force awakens during the scene uh, yes with han and chewy with han and chewy attaching them to star killer base mm-hmm. very yeah i hadn't thought of that it was like that immediately just popped in my head i was like oh it's 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 the force awakens uh yeah she escapes down the the elevator shaft and then we get that scene we were talking about where ahsoka just tries to Go at her, immediately just rushing in without thinking. And then Luminara calms her down and she goes after her by herself. When we do get that fight between Luminara and Ventress in the, like, generator room. I I love it. Oh my god. I think. One-eyed Luminara. One-eyed Luminara. And then the the super Um. duper red eye that they, they give her. 
Oh, yeah. so yeah. cool. This, I was they shocked. They also do the Anakin good. and Obi Wan force push thing where they both they force push into each other that and blow great. each other back. That was yeah, one of my favorite parts of the duel. I think the Luminara and Ventress, and then the Luminara Ventress uh, versus Ventress and Ahsoka. I can. I combine them, yeah, because I just feels like one long duel, mm. and I don't have yeah, to split them up. Yeah, this whole episode was like a fifteen-minute long lightsaber battle, like extent, like I. It's so. Good. I also I really love, love the how right before the duel. fight, when right before Newt breaks out and they're all talking, and Newt has to like give his two cents on like what it means to be a good soldier, and he's just like, <laughs> I don't ever stick my neck out for anybody. Yeah, and they all like glare at him, like, "What the hell are you? What the hell did you think we want your I opinion for?" I love that. There's another. He's like, I had to point that out. Later he's on, like, he's like, "No, don't hurt me, me. I'm an innocent pawn." I'm like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah, literally. Yeah, all right. He's, I could just, uh, he's hilarious so in this episode because he's just jumping between, like, he's going like, "Oh, I won't negotiate. Oh, I'm ready to negotiate. Oh, I have a good feeling about you, <laughs> Gaius. No, I have a good feeling about <laughs> yeah. you, assassin." Like, he's constantly, he's such a coward, and he has such like loose morals, and it's hilarious in this whole episode. But, yeah. I could just go on about about this duel yeah, in the episode because this is one of my the, favorite. The, um, the saber, the saber. Y'all also duels. noticed that one little random cut where the music kind of stops and then picks back up again. I was like, oh, that, there's the commercial break. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that during uh, Layer of Grievous, I think, or no, it was yes. Bombad Jedi. I think of I I noticed exactly where the commercial break was. I think it was when Jar Jar what? was this one. It was like when they were in the the generator room and ahsoka is standing like behind it i think it's right after um luminara gets knocked down by like the tube and then ahsoka comes in like the musical cue just completely shifts like mid note and i was like oh <laughs> there it is yeah like they're they're actually there's there's like a tell for each of the all three episodes like in layer of grievous there's like the the bit where like kit Visto says i'm afraid i must request your surrender and then it just there's just like a little cut and so where you can tell it was a uh, it was a commercial break. But yeah, the whole fight. Yeah. The whole fight is really good. I love the sass that Luminara. It's so cool gives. seeing the two of them with their green sabers. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. probably also well, why I really like it cuz just the way the green sabers light were lit against the fire and Ventress's red There's saber. There's also that shot just, of Ventress where she's like standing porn. over Luminara. It's like that upward shot of her and she's very like silhouetted in yeah. front of like the burning generators and everything and it's like damn, some of this season one animation was just so clean. Yeah, now no, you I, I just all, love how as old Jedi must. It's a oh, great, line. great line. I love how it's Luminar cool. at one point is like egging her on, like, "Yeah, this is Dooku's fighting yeah. style, but it, it's raw. It's un, it's like untamed. It's weak." And she, Ventress just screams Fluffy. at her. She's like, "You don't insult my technique." <laughs> just a great Ventress episode. But guys, in what might be the biggest shock of this episode, our Gaius is a Separatist double agent. I don't know what was... The this, blue bitch! Yeah. This, the blue bitch! This is what I, I, I pointed to. And I said in my notes, I said, I don't know what betrayal shook me more, this or Stubby. They both, I, I Stubby. both Stubby. got me right in the Stubby. heart. I remember thinking, wait, watching this who is, the first time. Oh, I, wait. Stubby. Stubby. Forgot. Yeah, I always call him Goldie. Goldie. I always call him yeah. a little bitch. Yeah, I just go by Anakin's. Goldie is He's Ahsoka. Stubby. Yeah, Dude, I, I, I always see him as, oh. go, like, okay, so I wasn't on 
for uh I wasn't on for those last two episodes, but I just want to say real quick, my only two good parts about those was the one shot where they're jumping down into the when they're flying down to into the separatist facility on yeah. top of it. Yeah, that, that was a shot, shot was glorious. Yeah. And R2 absolutely body and goldie. Absolutely. His death scene was so satisfying. Oh, it was. Yeah. You definitely dodged a bullet there, Connor. Yeah. The death scene was great, but as I described it, the rest of the fight was like, yeah, so R2 goes like, eh, and then Goldie goes like, eh, and then they just keep bouncing off nah, each other. Nah, 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 R2 basically was like, fuck you, and just absolutely, uh... I just have this metal I, image I in love my head. It. I love R2. Like, I love R2. I have, Fucking body I love Goldie. R2. I love R2. I have this mental image in my head now of just like George Lucas like pitching this episode to Dave Filoni and co by like holding these two action figures yeah. of R2 and Goldie and just going, so like R2 goes, eh, and then Goldie goes, eh, and then R2's like, fuck you, and he just bashes him off the stuff. I was just about to say, I want them to do like an episode of Clone Wars where during a, du a duel it just cuts to Dave Filoni just with two action figures just hitting them against each other. And that's it's the just like George showed me how to do. <laughs> God, but yeah, he's a he's a traitorous bitch. But we all kind of figure that out. Uh, he yeah. fist fights with Gree, and and Gree is it's knocked his voice. by it's by, his voice too. Yeah, yeah. Just, again, he's a fucking Shrek two motherfucker. Like that's all I was Absolutely. thinking of the whole time. But Gunray uses uh, one of the rifles and knocks out Gree. I put dot 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 so he can be killed by Yoda in Revenge of the Sith. So we got to keep him alive here. Uh, exactly. All the other clones eat it. Uh, and yeah, because this is like what this is like a rare example of like because oftentimes when you have to keep someone alive, that can be a bit of a problem when like writing an episode. But I actually think it helps the episode here because you you need someone for like having to keep Gree alive means you can have Argaius basically say why he betrayed the republic that he you know he doesn't want pointless servitude and you get some digs at like what normal people normal soldiers think of the clones which maybe which is like it's it's interesting and it furthers the universe and then you get like that unexpected payoff to newt gunray saying oh i don't risk my own skin until i absolutely unless i believe i have to mm -hmm. and then you basically see because nymoidians as we see in brotherhood they 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 all uh live life by risk assessment they 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 like to judge a lot of their decisions based on the level of risk and you can see newt gunray saying oh the risk to my life is minimal he has his back turned i can i can hit him with a thing because this will benefit me most yeah no like i like we pointed out i think when we did the clone wars movie of it's like it's very clear rex is a main character because he would have died would have just ventress would have just killed him but instead oh, she like sure. knocks him out it's like it's very clear like when someone's got to be kill, uh, kept alive for plot uh, but, yeah. You know, cool. I mean, I I like Gree, so I'm I'm glad they didn't. You know, yeah. He, he has there. he has plot armor for mm -hmm. now. For now. But <laughs> for one now. thing I I, so I loses his head. I didn't really know how to word this well, but I I put this in my notes because I was just loving Ahsoka and Luminar's as duel. Uh, but. I was like, it's crazy how Ahsoka and Luminara spend the entire episode fighting Ventress, and then five seasons later we see Luminara's Padawan and Ahsoka's best friend using those same sabers that Ventress is fighting with in these episodes to fight Anakin. Mm, and I'm just like, nuts. it's uh, when we get to those ones, uh, it's I'm, like poetry. Barris needs to come back at, at some point. Uh, 
I, yeah, I, we we need a conclusion to that story here, Dave. Yeah, uh, I know it's not going to probably happen, but like Jedi survive. Ahsoka. If she that showed up in cool. the Ahsoka show, I would be so happy. Ahsoka would be cool. It would be great. I don't if see. I don't know if I see it because like it's so far in the future, and we don't know how long. Mary no, and I feel like that shows very much like the Rebel sequel now. So like relating it too much to Clone Wars stuff that never touched Rebels. I mean, like, we we'll just make it too messy. They did. Br they have brought Hu Yang back. So if they can bring Hu Yang back, I think they can bring. I think they could find a way to bring Barris True. back. Yeah. For sure. I mean, Tales of the Jedi too. Like, there's there's a couple things. I I think bad. Tales of the Jedi. Really cool. I just need them to announce not only more seasons but more episodes per season. Because what yeah. is it like six episodes? I think they've for said the first six, season. Yeah, but that's kind of ridiculous. I I wish yeah. they announced it as a multi-season anthology thing. Because if it's just the six, I'd be like, yeah. But I mean. I don't know. I, I'm a bad batch would be cool. Ahsoka would be cool, but like she's got to show up like at some point. Like you just don't, you can't just be like, yeah, no, she yeah, they just can't got just gunned go forever. down in order to, in like the Republic prison by the clones. Like we can't just have that be it. Like something had to have happened. You can't write her character off like that and then just not follow up on it. Like if it's that, like the biggest reveal in that season, essentially. Um, Oh, uh, here, here's me figuring it out. I said, our guy's is such a douchebag haircut. He reminds me of Prince Charming. So, like, that's where I must have. But, like, ugh. Uh, but our guys and Gunray managed to escape, which I would, like, completely forgot that Gunray just straight up escapes in this episode. And the episode ends on, like, kind of a downer note because we do see the Republic lose. And I feel like that's the first time we've seen that happen, like, in this show of, like, oh, no, it's not, like, oh, happy celebrating at the end. It's, they They lost. Uh, but our guys is just straight up killed by Ventures. He's like, yeah, I mean, I'll praise Dooku for you myself. You know, it'll be great. I'll, I'll speak, uh, of my plan. And then she just stabs him right in the back. The, the, the sound that Ventress's saber made when she kills him was like, I don't know. I, I was just really obsessed with that particular, like, saber ignition. Just, yeah, it just sounded so, like, loud and, like, booming. The, the saber sound design in the show has, has always just been great in my mind. Uh, but we see Luminar and Ahsoka speak with Yoda and Anakin. Uh, Anakin and Ahsoka leave to, to meet up with Kit Fisto, even though they don't in Lair of Grievous, which I was confused by watching those two episodes back to back. Uh, and then Luminar and Ahsoka part ways. I adored this episode. I thought it was... Like I said, I, it felt it had like kind of like that, even though the stakes weren't nearly as high, but it had that like Empire Strikes Back kind of ending of they lost the battle, but we'll have a little bit of optimism at the end with that really nice scene between uh, Luminar and Ahsoka. I, I loved the pairing of those two. I, I, I wish we had more of it in the show. I think it's such a great pairing, like we mentioned. Ventress was so badass in this episode. It was a great showcase of her character. Getting to see it, it on was. full display here. Uh, Paul Dini's yeah. writing was 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 great. Uh, great having someone like that work on a show like this, and yeah, this was this was a great episode. And like I was like, man, this arc is just really killing it. And uh, yeah, they no, no spoilers, but they 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 stuck the landing. I will I will definitely say that. But this is definitely going to be one that I, I rewatch more in the future because I I was I loved it way more than I was expecting. 
there's also like a bit of uh foreshadowing for siege of well not foreshadowing but like a bit that rhymes with siege of mandalore because like the bit where ventress steals a clone comlink because i thought that was the first time anyone had done that in siege of mandalore yes, i did write in my notes i was like I Maul, ventress handshake emoji using clone yes. gauntlets to get <laughs> secret intel or something like that exactly that that's it because i was like oh so so this happened happened there first which is like it's just super cool i agree with you completely andrew this was like a really this is probably one of the best showcases for ventress as a villain in in the whole show like she's she feels really menacing like my favorite moment uh of the episode is her like when she has the sabers clashed with ahsoka and luminara and she just starts laughing maniacally at them both it's just yeah great villain moment it's like she's like full sith at that point which is also which is awesome but it's also like it's so it's jarring in a way because we know where her story ultimately goes but in a in a good way but yeah like really good episode i'm definitely gonna like revisit it more i think yeah no i 100 percent, 100 percent. this was such a great episode uh but now we move into the last episode of the arc lair of grievous Directed by Atsushi uh, Takaichi, I believe is how you pronounce it. I probably butchered that really bad. The only episode he directed of this series, uh, and what an episode it was. Uh, written by Henry Gilroy, the moral is, most powerful is he who controls his own power. Uh, this episode, I'm just going to say it, just rocked my socks off. It was so damn good. And this again, this is only the second time I've ever seen it. And yeah, uh, I will be. This has this always one been one of my favorite episodes. Uh, because one, Kit Fisto, just that's all you yeah. got to say. There is is Kit Fisto, my boy. But this was really the episode where I I talked, I believe, during the Malevolence episode about how Grievous has always been a very disappointing character for me. Like he's always been cool, and I loved him in the Tartakovsky Clone Wars. But ever since then, it's just been like he could have been so much more in my mind. This episode kind of changed things for me. I think I'm fully on board with Grievous now. Because he is great in this episode. It's actually scary. They they made him into yeah. a horror monster. Like a, like a slasher villain. And I, they, I love that. Like They do that with Vader in the comics. And they did it in Rogue One. And what better way to do it than have the character that was created as a parallel to what Anakin would become do it in this episode. And I, I just yeah. loved it. Uh, we start off, Kit Fisto is chasing after Gunray. They're brought to this planet, uh, Vasek, I believe is what it's called. Again, another yeah. great-looking Clone Wars planet. I love the, all the, the fog, uh, the look of the planet, the music. Again, I put in all caps, Kevin Kiner going off in these episodes. Uh, and again, this was it's just something about when I watched this episode. Uh, Kit Fisto's voice. I said, and I quote, Kit's voice is so sexy. So, um, yes, it's so sexy. I, it's, it's, Phil Lamar. Phil Lamar it's Phil Lamar decided the voice to do Kit in a Jam. Jamaican accent. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm forever grateful because yeah. I mean, of course, he's gonna rock it. Yeah, it's like you know, it's Samurai Jack, he's awesome. Yeah, no, that was great. I also loved just aesthetic wise how R6 and Kit are like matching, like they're wearing their matching colors. It was, really oh, yeah, cool. I love that. I, I just love. It's just one of those very small things, or like I just love 
people's specific Jedi starfighters and like their astromech droids and like how they like yes. match with them aesthetically. Speaking of Jedi starfighters, I have to tell a, a horrifying story. I got this on stream the other day, but like I was getting ready to stream and my saber on my desk or my shelf that I have a couple of Lego sets displayed on fell over and completely shattered my Utapau starfighter Lego set from no. like 15 years oh, ago. Oh no. So I was like, oh no. So I was going to do something completely different, but I spent the entirety of that stream just rebuilding it. So, because I, I was able to pull up the uh, the manual on, because Lego's website, they have like an archive of all the old like instructions uh, manuals, which is nice. Uh, it's but a lifesaver. That, that killed me, because like, that was the one I was like, I spent years trying to remember where I put that, and I found it still built in the storage unit. I was like, I gotta put this on display because I loved that set as a kid. Which Kit Fisto uh, minifig came with that one, but uh, I I have no idea where that is. I just have the Starfighter and I don't have the Hyperdrive ring anymore. But uh, there is that. I, I just got a Streamlabs notification and it scared the shit out of me. So <laughs> there is that. Because um, I'm recording this with Streamlabs, so that was scary. Um, <laughs> but we are introduced to Nadar Veb, kids, uh, Kit Fisto's old Padawan, My boy! newly knighted, and I think this episode does a great job at showing, and Brotherhood touches on this too, again, yes. how a lot of Padawans are kind of forced into knighthood early because they need more generals for the war. And mm -hmm. Nadar yes. is a great example of this, of someone who was not ready for the trials, uh, he wasn't ready to get promoted to knighthood because his overconfidence and his arrogance. There's a lot of Anakin. There's a lot of Attack of the Clones Anakin in Nadar's character yeah. in this episode, and it really Salute. ends up being his undoing by the end of it. Uh, but so we can definitely assume that Nadar was the same age as Anakin. So I would love to see the two of them as like younglings together. That would be cool. Also, just not Mon Cala Jedi. Like fuck yeah. Like oh yeah. yeah. Oh he looks, yeah, he looks really cool. Like, and and I I also watched the behind the scenes thing for this, and like again, Killian Plunkett talks about like how they tried to incorporate some of Admiral Akbar's look into his Jedi robes, like the white collar mm -hmm. uh, is very kind of like influenced by Return of the Jedi, but they also wanted him to look uh, convincingly Jedi, and it it really kind of works as like a marriage of styles, yeah. and like as you said, I because I was going to bring up the Brotherhood connection. Yeah. It's just really cool that, that like, uh, the way the dialogue kind of suggests that Kit Fisto wasn't even there. Well, not even suggest, they just say that he wasn't even there for him being promoted because they're all getting promoted in a... They're all getting made knights in a, in a hurry because because the Clone Wars is taxing the Jedi to the absolute limit. And, and it's causing the Jedi to kind of, like, as Yoda will later say in the episode, be at risk of losing who they are. And we see that with Nadal Verb, how like he's he he has this like he's so well realized in such a short amount of time. He doesn't feel very one note. He feels like a Jedi who who has a good heart, but is kind of like overcome he's by his eager. By his eager he's way too yeah. eager. He's and way too, way too uh, impatient and militant. Yeah. And that's the thing I love about Nadal Verb so much is that he represents an early example for how the Jedi start to lose their way as the war yes. goes mm -hmm. on. Yeah, exactly. It's crazy that we only get this appearance from him. This is all we ever seen 
of him and yet like he has so much character to him and like we get like honestly we get his full story just from this one episode he's just yeah. so well written mm-hmm. well he's voiced really well by tom kenny as well like yeah he's got yeah. like he's he there's he channels some of that kind of like admiral akbar voice but there's also kind of like some youthfulness there as well and I just love the like design of like his eyes and stuff, like how he like when he narrows his eyes, he almost kind of you can feel the anger kind of simmering just yes. below the surface. Yes, yeah, definitely. Oh, such a great visual. He's always pulled there. back by Kit too, just like yeah. He never jumps the gun and stops him from like unleashing his anger and aggression, but like as soon as he does, Kit's just always there to basically be like, "All right, Nadar, come on now." Yeah, yeah, no, like definitely. like. That's the- kind of key difference between like because because again this episode doesn't like it doesn't throw kit under the bus but it does kind of offer a look at this more detached way of of detached uh traditional padawan master dynamic compared to like obi-wan and anakin or anakin and ahsoka Mm -hmm. like because like if if anakin was jumping in and doing this we know obi-wan would immediately scold his ass but like kit waits until until uh nadar has done something to like reprimand him because like yes he is he is technically a jedi knight now but you know that bond was of master and apprentice was never truly severed because like as we said kit wasn't there it wasn't there for so, his promotion yeah so there's mm-hmm. kind of that dynamic is still sort of present really so we kind of see how it how it functions and how you know maybe if kit had been a little more hands-on in like mentoring him would nadar be be so eager to jump the gun and be have been so quick to lose uh his sense of self or would he have turned out the same way it's just it's an interest it kind of has that subtextually i think it doesn't it doesn't kind of like say it out loud but it kind of hangs there like a question in the air given like uh kit fisto's characterization as like the jolly jedi the one who's who smiles even in the face of like like dire odds and like carnage unfolding that smile that damn smile a charming debonair smile uh, I love Kit Fisto so much, man. Uh, but yeah, it's a really great character study for Nadar and also for Grievous, as we see later. Uh, but I'm just yes. all for more Mon Calamari characters. Like I just I love that species. And uh, when we get to the Mon War episodes, I mean they're not they're not my favorite episodes, but the look of the planet, it's some of the best like animation and like design that the clone wars has are those episodes besides so, that shark guy oh yeah the shark guy love riff me the, Tam- with the shark guy. love me the shark guy riff tamson my riff guy Thompson. my freaking One-off guy ball. uh yeah but also another... go ahead just real quick there's like this lighting detail at four minutes and 21 seconds where it's like the battle droid it's when uh Nadar, Kid Fisto, and the clones are seemingly going to capture Newt Gunray, and and they're uh, about to fight the battle droids, and this is where that line comes in that you said, Jake, where it was like, have you killed a Jedi before? No, whatever the line was. Just like, I don't know what it was. The way the lighting um, came off the droids was just beautiful to me. It really, I love it. Another thing I really loved is the clone armor here, specifically Commander Phil. Yes. Such. Like, I love the dark red with the white. It looks Even the so battalion great. armor. Like, I don't know what battalion this is, but it's so simple, but, like, clean and satisfying. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like they 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 really knocked it out of the park here with, with those. Um, another thing that I thought I was also actually... didn't even realize that all of the Phase One clone commanders have like those yellow dashes on the top of their helmet. Like I never noticed it. Like Wolf had it, Rex had it, Phil has it here. I I I think I never noticed that either. Honestly, until you just brought it up, there. I'm, I'm like, oh the yeah, I, I just pulled up a like, picture. Yeah, uh, I see it now. The, like, yeah, the I never noticed, lines. and they all have those. And now I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah, no, that's uh, that that has gone almost uh, twenty years without me noticing. Uh, and there we go. Dang. So yikes uh, on my end, but that is a really nice. That must be like signifying that they're a commander but i just love i genuinely prefer the uh the, the later clone designs more but i i am a sucker for a lot of the phase one clone looks especially the clone commanders like they they just look really clean and and Phil i was love great. phase one so much but like the actual models used in clone wars the phase two is just so clean 100 percent uh but one thing that I actually thought was very clever on the Separatist end was them getting tricked into thinking Gunray was behind that chair and it was actually a hologram. I was like, oh, okay, you got me even there for a second. I was like, okay, I don't see Gunray, so there's probably some fuck shit. Like, he's, it's probably just a like a recording or something. But then it was a hologram. And then Dooku shows up all cross-legged and Fisto says, yeah. Count Dooku, you have so a great dramatic. talent for unexpected appearances. I just thought uh, that was hello. a great line. Uh, so two things. First, they do a very devious little trick with the audio because when Gunray is talking to the droids and his back is turned so you can't see him, the audio is completely clear, like he's mm -hmm. actually there. And then when the hologram comes in, he immediate the vo the hologram sorry the voice immediately uh, starts sounding a little uh, filled electronic, like like he's speaking through a hologram. It's just a very clever little trick to misdirect. I guess they increase the signal or something, but then then there's the second part, Kit Fisto's uh, line about Gunray. Oh, I should have known Gunray wasn't here. If he'd have seen us, he'd have run off screaming like the coward he is. <laughs> Just made me laugh for some reason. Yeah, no, they really hammer home in these episodes like, fuck Duke Gunray, he's a fucking coward. Fuck Duke Gunray. He's a complete, he's a complete wimp. Sleazy, slimy little bitch boy or whatever we said earlier in the episode. Like, exactly. Yeah. But Dooku pretty much... I forgot what I said! I forgot what the shirt is! <laughs> we gotta look no. back! How are we gonna make the shirts if we don't remember what the line is? Well, we are recording. That's very true. <laughs> uh, preserved in the archives. Yeah, yep. But Dooku is like, alright, I can't give you Gunray, but I will offer you an alternative prize. And they eventually find that they are in a warrior's shrine. The build to this I thought was very ominous and then we find out that it is in fact grievous's lair because that's the title of the episode but also i love the reveal of it i love the statue showing like grievous before he was a, a a cyborg getting that design uh i cannot believe that this dude has statues dedicated to himself like that man's ego is so big oh For definitely sure. another thing that i i, I uh, noticed there were two things one again me being a, a nerd here, but the sound editing, like when you see the Grievous statues and you hear like just the hints of like Grievous's voice and like his grunts, uh, I, I just really appreciated. 
Uh, they do it again uh, when Grievous is getting repaired later in the episode where you hear his like sound of when he dies in Revenge of the Sith as they're taking yeah. his like skull plate off, which I, I loved and I immediately was like, okay, that's that. The other thing is I made a very weird like comparison in my mind when they show the shot of like the statues of Grievous's heads in the lair. I immediately thought of the end of Spider-Man 2 when we see Norman Osborn's lair for the first time as Harry discovers it. I have no idea oh, yeah. why they came into Whoa. my mind. But I was it's like, the light oh, it's Spider-Man 2. But yeah. that was that came into my mind. But I just, I love the reveal here. And of course, Grievous yeah. has this fucking egotistical prick has a whole shrine dedicated to himself in a past yes. life. And Filoni, there's a really great interview on Wikipedia that they put in here for this episode. Because they're like, doesn't this counteract Legends where Grievous's origin is a bit different? Because in this one, Grievous is like, I chose to have these enhancements. And Filoni basically says, Grievous's explanation in this episode is more of a look into Grievous's own mind. Because that's how he interprets it. But <laughs> then also, so pretty much saying both stories are canon. But this yeah. is how Grievous chooses to view it to fit his... Uh, narrative and to fit his mindset, which I really love. And I just love, again, the character studies that they, they pull off in these episodes. Uh, this one is, is just, it's downright fantastic. Uh, and then another haunting thing was that little table of, it looked like just pat severed Padawan braids. It's like grievous, not only, and then Kit Fisto picks up a lightsaber. I'm like, this guy is scary. Like I, I like I get it. Like lightsabers, cool. You want to collect those? Cool. I got three of them myself. You're collecting people's hair, bro. That's like something's wrong with this guy. Uh, I'm sorry. A little sus, Grievous. A little I sus, love Grievy. His doctor droid. I love oh, his doctor. The sassy so little doctor guy. I love it. It's this so one, good. There's a line specifically that kills me. He's like, "Don't be upset with we. Don't be upset with me, master." If you were a better fighter, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh my god. I, I said in my notes, I said, I, why do I feel like if this episode was made in 2022, he would be voiced by John Mulaney? Like, I just, I just, <laughs> I just it's immediately totally was like, not- why is this a John Mulaney droid showing up in 2008? But it's a little it's like- sassy gay doctor droid. Like, I, I was a big fan. He's the only character that could sass Grievous and live through it, aside from Obi Wan, because like Grievous needs him. Like, and I love that it's such a great touch that he's voiced by David Accord, the sound designer, because like he's Matthew Wood's oh, frequent collaborator he on the series. Such a good job. I didn't even know that. That's awesome. It's great. Like, like you watch the the behind the scenes thing. They're like doing the voices. Master, you have an urgent message from Count Dooku. It's just great See, to watch. I just them hear do that, that, and I I just think that's John Mulaney, and I know it's not, but like I can't get it out of it's my like- mind. Teddy based it off the uh, off the an actor from Bewitched. I can't remember the name of him, but like it, he based it off a guy from Bewitched, uh, gotcha. like back in the sixties. So I like, was, I was doing a uh, a, a, a little uh, scroll through of Grievous's Wikipedia last night too, and I still can't get over the fact that Gary Oldman was supposed to play him in Revenge of the Sith. Like, I, so I still can't get over it, and he literally was ready to record the lines, and then the yeah. he did record. Killed it. George directed him. 
That's so insane. That's, I'd love to hear that stuff someday. Like, I like, love Matthew Wood as Grievous. Like I think it's yeah. it's, it's it fits perfectly. But I I, I want to hear what that was like, man. Like, oh, that absolutely, really changed things. Um, it would have been crazy. But the we, whole. Go ahead. The whole thing. Yeah, sorry. Like the whole sequence because I I I almost kind of like skipped over that. The whole sequence, like you said, of grievous the reveal of grievous in the hallway i love the way that they suggest that new backstory because like you said that could just be like his interpretation of events but then it couldn't be it, it actually might be like how things actually happened and i actually kind of prefer the idea that grievous wanted to be a jedi but couldn't because he was he he couldn't be force sensitive because he was too egotistical or like something about his emotions kind of severed him from the force so like he opted for the physical a way of beating the Jedi, just replacing his limbs with droid parts gradually. And I just, I think that's a great antithesis to Vader because Vader had all this thrust upon him, all of the robotic stuff. That wasn't his choice. Whereas Grievous, it's entirely his choice. So it almost kind of like makes him more of a mirror for Anakin because they've both made very different decisions and they both ha had different levels of control over, over these transformations that they went through. The whole thing is just immaculate. Even in the um, colors, having Grievous have the all-white armor compared to Vader's black, yes. like, everything yes. was intentional there. And I, Absolutely. That was just one of the things that I just, admittedly, when I was younger, just never put two and two together, that Grievous was supposed to be a parallel to Vader. But then as you keep going and you realize, oh, wait, hold on, all of these villains throughout the prequels are supposed to be portions of anakin portions of vader you're like oh okay i get it now it was one of those things that took a bit because i was just a kid being like "Ooh, this is cool and then you dive deeper into it and you're like this is awesome but i i did this is where i put in my notes that this is the most i've ever liked grievous in any any canon content like it's still not like 2003 clone wars like that's just untouchable but it came damn close like he was so great in this episode uh i love how the clones use the cables to just rip Grievous's leg legs off. Like I was, yeah. that was, that was so cool. That was so cool. There were a My, couple moments in here in this episode where I was like, reminded me of Attack so on cool. Titan when they tried to pin down the female yeah. Titan with the, uh, very with the, the, cables. the cables. Yeah. So there's also, there's also like a bit of physical comedy as well. Like when he, he like laughs at them and goes to jump at one of the clones and the clone just shoots him in the face. So he has to run away. It's. Just, I don't know why that bit always makes me laugh. Oh, the the thing that made me laugh was five seconds later where he just picks up a clone and throws it at Kit Fisto, like a still alive yeah. clone trooper. Just picks him up and hurls him at Nadar and Kit. Uh, yeah, it's literally using his projectiles. Yeah, but then we we the fact that he's putting up a fight still first with his sabers and then just like crawling around like a little spider boy, like with no legs. And he's like still like he's throwing people, he's whooping ass still. Like I said, they made him into like a horror monster in this episode, and I was digging it so much. Of like they made him scary, they made him threatening. They had such a like unsettling, creepy aura to like almost everything in this lair, and I, I was digging it all up. Uh, but again, we see Nadar's overconfidence getting in the way again. Uh, it's a recurring theme in this episode, and it ends up being when he tries to take out Grievous alone later. Uh, let's just say it doesn't end great for him. 
but I again the the scene with the doctor I loved. I, I thought it was awesome. Uh, but then we see uh, that someone has deactivated Grievous's Magna Guards, and I, I love the visual of them all activating at once. It reminded me of again this is this happened way later, but Mando season two when all the Dark Troopers activate for the first time. Got it gave me vibes Ooh. of that. Yeah, uh, for sure. And then I put in my notes: Magnagar with a rocket launcher, Magnagar with a rocket launcher. Like that that vision. The way that Magnagar just like kind of shoots it off and then watches it go. I was like, oh, that Magnagar's badass. That was <laughs> that was a badass shot. That was cool. that was such a phenomenal phenomenally like angled shot. And just everything about it. And every time I see Magna Guards, I'm just cannot think, cannot help but think like, we're gonna get to fight these motherfuckers in like, less than a year in a video game. Like that's just so wild. Excited. It's gonna be so cool. I mean, when do Magna Guards not look badass? Let's be real here. Uh, but that one in particular, that shot, I was like, he just looked at it like, yeah, I just did that. I just blew up these clones. They're gone now. Like, the, the, I love. They'll it. get their heads cut off, and they will still try and kill you. It's it. It's nuts. Grievous uh, tries to speak to the Jedi, and we get maybe my favorite. I have a bad feeling about this that we've seen in the Clone Wars so far, because Nadar just says it, and then just immediately the floor drops from underneath them, and one of the clones just gets incinerated to death. It was like, oh, it, it, it really was a bad feeling. Like it happened like right off the bat. And then Grievous, uh, he sends his pet after them, uh, Gore, which I described as a great look of, like, a mix of Lord of the Rings and Star Wars is uh, Gore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he I, I heard Gore, and I'm like, Thor, love, and thunder. What? Yeah, I was like, uh, what? <laughs> Fucking Christian, Christian Bale shows up. You're like, oh, they, oh. they had this casting in mind way earlier than I thought. Uh, but yeah, I, again, they go into more explanation of why Grievous became a cyborg and we got it in his point of view of the story, which we talked about earlier. And I, I really loved it. Uh, again, this episode did so much to make me appreciate Grievous more and just made him so much more of a compelling villain because they just made him scary. And he had a lot of great one-liners in this episode it was like I said, the the most I've loved Grievous, and I would actually like. I want to. I want there to be like another Battlefront style game where you can play like a map of this lair. Like that would be so cool. Oh, that would be sick. That would be really awesome. I don't know. I've never played the Clone Wars Lego game. I don't know if this episode has a, a level based off of it or anything like oh, that. It does. It does. It does. So that's and you can fight cool. Gore as well. You fight Gore in the, in that game. I don't remember I mean, playing this one. Oh, I, I, th I think it was one of the last levels I played of that game because I only played like half of uh, Lego Star Wars 3, but it's it's in there. It's definitely in there. So I, I remember I, fighting I gotta play that It's game. on Xbox, so guess what I'm going to go download? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we just see Gore just completely strangle Fill the death. So R.I.P. He in that no. peace, my boy. I actually can tell you what he actually see. It looks like he gets strangled, but what actually happens is it's so brutal. Gore breaks his spine. Gore literally breaks his spine. He slams him into the floor, and you hear the bones snap. And uh, then they oh, 
they zoom oh, in. Oh, that was when Nadar chops off his tail. Yeah, it's like like you literally like that. You hear the snap, and then it cuts like to a close up of Phil's body, and you can see how limp he is now because uh... he was struggling against Gore before, and then like. That's just before, like, we, we see Gore live up to his name because he gets his tail chopped off, his arms, like, go flying, and then, like, Kit Fisto just, like, stabs him in the neck and he does that, like, uh, Godzilla-like roar. <laughs> there is, uh, that, that's probably the, uh, one of the other two brutal deaths in this episode because I was shocked by another one later, but... Yeah. Yikes. Yeah, you remember, kids cartoon everyone. That's what, that's what people say about yeah. this show. Very kitty spines getting ripped in half. Super that's kind of a that's kind of a Return of the Jedi parallel because like Grievous is actually upset that Gore is yeah. dead. He seems he's the seemed, one thing I really he said he he seemed genuinely devastated that Gore died. Like he started Just screaming kind of, and then breaks everything around him. Like yeah, turned into Kylo Ren for a second. But yeah, it, it reminded me of Malakili, the Rancor keeper, uh, yeah. being upset over the Rancor dying. Yeah, and, and the Kylo Ren. Kylo Ren and Grievous would be best buds because they both love trashing shit when when they're angry. They'd love each other. Uh, yeah. But this gets Nadar pissed. He's seeking revenge, and, and Kit Fisto is like, "No, that's not the Jedi way. You got you got to get a hold of yourself." And this is where Nadar like really just gets in his head, and there's no turning back from here. Also, got to mention that Kit just takes Gore out. Uh, like he pulls his best Obi Wan in the uh, Geonosis. That's arena. exactly what I thought. I hadn't even thought of that. Yeah. It's it's just like Obi Wan. He's like he saw he saw Obi Wan do that in the the arena, and he was like, "I gotta do that one day." And uh, fancy little twirl and stab. Got it. Uh, and then we see Dooku is kind of uh, testing out Grievous. Like Dooku was planning all of this. He's testing out Grievous's effectiveness because Grievous has lost him quite a few battles in the in, in the Clone Wars lately. And Grievous gets super pissed, hangs up on him, uh, and then. I don't remember. Oh, yeah. who who killed? Because I have it written here that our little sassy doctor boy died. But who was it that got to him? Was it Nadar? Was it, it was Kit, Kit. Was Fisto? It's Kit Fisto. Like there's Lice like it's right through the chair. Yeah, like he just cuts the chair clean in half. There's actually <laughs> there's a really funny thing in the featurette because like Dave Filoni is talking with Henry Gilroy about how much he likes the character, and he just on the spot starts coming up with like a way. Uh, uh, the doctor droid to have survived like maybe his head still worked and Grievous just takes his head and the doctor is just like constantly sassing him like oh you always I always put you back together but you don't put me back together why won't you take the time general and Grievous <laughs> is just like I like you better this way reminds me of Korg in uh, Thor 11 yeah. Thunder uh, oh my god but I loved it no so Grievous and Adar they fight very very briefly and Grievous, oh, I was shocked how brutal this was. He just pulls out the blaster and just shoots him in the chest repeatedly. I was, like, mid-saber battle, too. Just like, oh, I got this other arm. I'm shooting you five times. It, yeah, like, literally shocked my boy. Yeah, it's a very... No, do you go, sorry. I was just going to say the fact that Kid had to watch that and couldn't do anything about it because he was in another room. Yeah, yeah literally just water over the hollow. It's the Phantom Menace all over again. Like the, but it's instead of like the Padawan, it's the Master this time watching watching his apprentice fall to like a a, a agent of the dark side, which is just I like the parallels. It doesn't feel on the nose, but like 
And it's also really practical as well, like from Grievous's standpoint, but it's also kind of a dirty move. Like, yeah, it makes sense that he would like get a blaster in his other hand and shoot him, but it's just such a dishonorable uh, way of taking out a Jedi, uh, given how often like the lightsaber duels are like just lightsaber against lightsaber. But yeah, it was very brutal. I was, I, I like, I knew he wasn't making it out of the episode, but I forgot how he died. And to Same. see it happen like this way, whoa, it got me. And then, of course, I never forget how my boy Nadar died. Yeah, this has probably haunted you for ages. Uh, but ever since I was like nine, he grabbed the, uh, he, Grievous took his lightsaber, adding another one to his collection, and just screams about how he's going to take down every single Jedi like, into, like, Fisto's face. And, like, again, he was scary at this point. And at that point, you're like, yeah, I mean, we just did see him fairly easily take down a newly knighted Jedi. And, yeah, wow. It it got me, I gotta say that. But then we get another absolutely fantastic duel between Kit Fisto and Grievous. First of all, them dueling, like, in the thick fog... Uh, Fisto trying to escape, Grievous climbing up the mountain, go- going somewhere, and then they yeah. start fighting. Just great. Uh, it's so cool. But then dual dual wielding Kit Fisto with him and and the Darth oh, that Sabres. iconic shot. That shot is fantastic, man. I love the way the camera just like tracks the lightsaber flying out of Grievous's severed hand all the way into like Kit Fisto's hand, and then you have that cool pose of like him doing that. I also love this, like a, there's like a really cool sound effect, like when Grievous is like spinning his lightsabers, and they just like speed up the sound of him, like of the saber twirl uh, effect, so it seems more intimidating. It's just it's so it's one of the best uh, lightsaber duels in the Clone Wars. I would say probably possibly the best one of season one. I'm not I'm not sure, but I th- it's it's up there. It's really no, it good. Was fantastic. Like I loved the the Luminara and Ventress one from last episode, but this one was. Probably a little bit better. Like it was so the way Kit like good. disappears into the fog too, mm-hmm. and like uses that to his advantage. Yeah, and you've got that shot of like Grievous just like looking around, spinning the lightsabers, and then he just turns his back, and then you just see his eyes like dart just to where like Kit Fisto is behind him. It's just ah, oh, so good. Yeah, just I have nothing but great things to say about this one. It was literally incredible. Uh, he gets surrounded by a bunch of magnet guards, but R6 comes to his rescue and uh, Fisto is able to escape. Uh, and then we get the the moment where Dooku's talking to Grievous later and he says, oh, I killed all the clones and the Padawan. And Dooku's like, oh, a Padawan is great, but to kill a Jedi Master, like, that's very impressive. I'm very pleased. And then he's like, oh, Fisto escaped. He's like, you still have so much, you could, you could do so much better. And then hangs yeah, up he- on him. He just immediately, like, he just goes, so there is room for improvement. And then just goes, like, he doesn't even He's like, he's like, damn it, (laughs) why do you have to lie? Like, Dooku's like, man, you suck, bro. It's like, oh, you're great. (laughs) Oh, I didn't kill this Good, good, good. God damn it. God damn it. Now I got it. Now now he's still out there. Got it. You're doing so well, General. Damn it. Uh, But then we get a great Yoda quote at the end of the episode where Fit, uh, Fisto and Mason and Yoda are talking about Nadar and Yoda says to answer power with power the Jedi way this is not in this war a danger there is in losing who we are and that's really a big theme with with the Clone Wars in general and with Nadar in this episode getting to see uh, a knight get 
uh, way over his head, get promoted into a situation that he was not ready for, uh, where Fisto felt that maybe he wasn't uh, ready to not be Nadar's master anymore, as we see several times in this episode, and for him to meet his untimely end at the end, uh, or at the hands of Grievous, is a uh, it's a very uh, sad thing to watch, but uh, he left an impression, because one episode, it's like uh, I'm a gonna die uh, in Supply Lines, it only shows up once, I'm a gonna die, yeah, I'm a gonna die. But he only shows up once, but he uh, he left a, a lasting impression for a lot of Clone Wars fans. Uh, I thought this episode was goddamn incredible. Uh, again, this is only the second time I've ever seen this episode, but it's one of my new favorite ones, I like of them all. Yeah. Uh, it was super dark. The visuals were great. I loved all the horror themes. Like I said, a great character study for both Grievous and Nadar. Uh, and it made me go from not really liking Grievous to really liking Grievous in just this episode. And I just, everything about this arc, I absolutely loved. Uh, they were great for all different reasons. Bombay Jedi being like a, a very hilarious episode with some good politics in there. Cloak of Darkness was uh, exciting action all throughout with the lightsaber duel. And then this was uh, just a Star Wars horror st- story, which I loved. Uh, and this is, it's very close to my favorite arc that we've discussed since we started the show, which I was shocked by because I didn't know what to expect for this one. And it's, it's really up there for one of my favorites of, of the first season now, uh, watching it again. I had a great time with it. Absolutely. Like, yeah, it's definitely one of my top five episodes of, of season one. It, and it's probably one of the better clone, best Clone Wars episodes, just in terms of like, uh, a spotlight for Grievous. It's definitely the best of the Newt Gunray trilogy, for sure. Which is funny because it's the one that has the least to do <laughs> with Newt Gunray. He's pretty much out. He's of the only story. there for like two two seconds. Yeah, but yeah, the whole episode it just rocks. It's like it's a good foray into like creepy horror vibes for uh, for Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. This one's always been one of my favorite like ep- single episodes of the whole show, and like rewatching the arc as a whole now, specifically like. It's definitely up there for, like, one of my favorite arcs of the entire show. Just because, like... I mean, one of my biggest complaints of, like, Revenge of the Sith mostly is I feel like Newt Gunray... Or, like, Attack of the Clones, too, really, is, like... I feel like Newt Gunray really should have been more of, like, a prominent face in those movies. Like, like his role was important, but, like, we don't really see a whole lot of him. So it was really cool to get to, like, see more of that and, like, how, like, his impact on the Clone Wars, like what that really was because we really don't get to see that a whole lot and it just like kind of makes it like even more like you know satisfying i say that as new gunray's biggest fan so satisfying to see him die in revenge of the Sith. yeah yeah (laughs) that's one situation then he's trying to bargain with vader to keep himself alive yeah right he's like please the war is over no you don't you don't bargain with yeah i'm an innocent pawn again still like yeah no you're not like he literally invaded the whole planet, but yeah. It is like you invaded my wife's planet. You can die. You can, yeah. You can. I remember what you did. This is uh. Don't don't think that we're cool now that I'm. Uh, I got a cool hood and my eyes are yellow. Like this is you. You're done, buddy. Uh, but yeah, no. This episode was was absolutely goaded. Uh, so my again, it's it, it is kind of tough to choose. 
But out of the the three we discussed, Layer of Grievous, I would say, is my favorite of the three. But Cloak of Darkness was so damn good. Uh, but I, I got to give the nod to Layer of Grievous here because I was just absolutely blown away by it. Uh, how about you guys? Same. Uh, I'll also go Layer of Grievous. Yeah, definitely. It, it's honestly like it's an iconic episode too. Like I feel mm-hmm. like when most people think Kit Fisto, they think of that shot of him dual wielding the sabers. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Connor, what do you think? I have no one. I don't know. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I like them. I like them all. Some more than others, but I don't know which one's my favorite. All right, I'll take that. I'll I'll take that one. Uh, so next week, it's gonna be a hopefully. bit. Yeah. So next week it'll be a yeah. Hopefully, it's gonna be the Hondo arc, which is Dooku captured and the gang in general. So we're gonna get to see our favorite uh, pirate in action once more. But it's only two episodes, so I think we discussed this, so I think I, I think we can announce this. But I think next week what we're going to do is we'll do those two episodes, and then we're going to do a Q&A. So if you have any questions for us, we'll leave it open on Twitter, on uh, the SWE Discord, and all our social media platforms. If you have any questions for us, we'll put that open for you, and hopefully we can talk about some good stuff, and hopefully you guys have some fun stuff to ask us because we don't have that many episodes to talk about next episode. So that should be fun. I'm looking forward to that. And hopefully we have uh, a fun time with it, getting to do some new stuff on the pod. So thanks everyone for listening to this episode. I had a blast talking about these ones. Uh, So until next time, where can the good people find all of you uh, before we head out? They can find me on Twitter at Banana. Uh, I also co-host another Star Wars podcast, Knights of the Nerd Republic, over at the Nerd Academy podcast, um, where we talk everything Star Wars, pretty much. Um, and I also write articles and stories, uh, none published yet, but one was announced that I will get to shortly, over at the Star Wars Editor website, SWEditorIG.com. Uh, recently on our dis on the SWE Discord server, we announced a f- new initiative and a full and a full slate of new stories that we have coming up. One of which I'm writing called "The Hidden Kyber." Uh, I have it set shortly after the events of Fallen Order, and it it, it features Sir Junda and Cal Kestis. And I'm excited for you all to read it once it releases. So I'm very much looking forward to that. Yeah, no, that one I have been hyped for for a very long time. So I am so, so excited I hope to I see, can deliver. So excited to see what you come up with uh, for that one. I help Connor figure out his writing process all the time. So I already know way too much about this story. Yeah, no, I, based on true. has told me about this story, this story is going to be really good. Yeah, I hope so. I'm hyped. Uh, Don, how about you? Because you weren't here last week. All right, so yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Donovan Mead, where I tweet about Star Wars uh, politics sometimes as well. You know, uh, tweeted a lot about Marvel recently because of a Comic Con. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, Donovan underscore McComish, uh, where I just I post stuff mostly about uh, my cats and the book, <laughs> the books that I'm reading currently. And uh, there's also a Star Wars editor 
dot org where i'm i like connor i write stories and articles perfect uh jake how about you because you also weren't here last week yeah um my twitter is jedi jake double underscore both j's are capitalized i much like don and connor mostly tweet about star wars sometimes you get me talking about politics um also very recently been talking a lot about marvel because holy shit that was a weekend um more than i was expecting that was freaking insane yeah but uh Yes, say, oh, massive strike of lightning just outside my window. Holy shit. And there's the thunder. Whoa, okay. Palpatine, Palpatine's outside your door. Or is it Yoda striking the tree? We never know. Um, But yeah, Star Wars Editor Discord, we just announced the massive uh, 10-story initiative, Dawn of the Order, like, just under a week before this episode will end up airing. Um, I am writing two of those stories, one being Kylo Ren Solo's Heart, the other being Danger Squad, Perils of Morality. Both of those will be coming out in the next 12 months or so. We don't have our dates announced yet. Y'all will figure that out soon, and I think Austin will kill me if I said them here, so I won't do that. Um, but yeah, I would say that I write articles, but I haven't written one of those in two and a half years, so that would be a lie. Um, but yeah, always we're always in there. Feel free to chat. Perfect. And you can find me. I've consolidated all of my social media under one name now, so you can follow me on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and TikTok at Starlight Andrew. Uh, you can follow the pod on Twitter at For the Repub Pod and on Instagram at For the Republic Pod. Uh, and, uh, Join us back here next time where we're going to talk about Hondo and we'll answer some fun questions. So until then, may the force be with you. Always. Always.